Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good morning, everyone. Happy Monday, and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN with. Super Bowl champ, Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. I was about to call you a pro football Hall of Famer. I was about to put you in the Hall of Fame. Right, Randy, right there. In, in, right my, there. in my wildest dreams, yes, every time I <laughs> sleep, that, that's how I envision myself. However, not really the way that my career went, unfortunately. Not, you know, not any fault of my own, I don't think. I, I played pretty well. Just didn't play long enough. Didn't get enough opportunities. Okay, this is always a great question. And I guess it's different for different people. Dan Marino, for example. Super Bowl ring or Hall of Fame? Oh, Randy. But you you only get one. You only get one. Well, I mean, since I am a Super Bowl champion, I might go in the opposite direction at this point. (laughs) (laughs) I think being Dan Marino, we were talking about Dame Lillard might be in that boat. Charles Barkley, like to be one of the greatest to ever do something, but not have the team around you to win a championship. If, if. I could go in a different direction right now. I think it might be that way. Yeah. That's because I already have yeah, you, one. You can't go wrong either way. I don't think so. No uh, doubt about it. Living a good life. The voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, will join us coming up at 8.15 today. We're also going to talk to St. Louis City SC midfielder Jared Strzok. Congratulations to City on winning their inaugural game Saturday night in an inaugural match. Excuse there me. There we go. Saturday night in Austin. They were on the pitch wearing nice kits. And uh, they're looking pretty good on the table right now. At one o and o, keep this in mind about the table: wins, draws, losses. Okay, it's not wins, losses, draws. It's okay. wins, draws, losses. You get As three points for table. a win. That is correct. Okay. Yes. How many? How many points do you get for a draw? Uh, Matthew, one, 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 and zero, obviously, for a loss. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't matter. We got a one in the first column. So. You bet we and do. Who expected I, I, I that? I make sure when I sent out the tweet, I, I sent out the tweet, 1-0-0, oh, and, oh, and I almost sent out 1-0, one, oh, one, and, oh, and I was like, whoa. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> no. Oh, Matthew. Yeah, Come on we're, now. We're going to fill in that, God, uh, that second column during God, the course. it was a fun game. It was, it was a fun match. There we go. Uh, yeah. Come on, Matthew. Yeah. Come on. Let's get, get with better. the program here. Uh, <laughs> did I give the time check yet? 702. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Congratulations to the Blues on making another trade. Ooh. Yesterday, they sent Ivan Barbashev, and then there were five 2019 Stanley Cup champions left. They sent Ivan Barbashev to Vegas for Zach Dean, the 30th pick in the 2021 NHL draft. Still playing Major Junior. He'll be 
in the NHL probably next year, 20 years old. Another trade I like, CD. I mean, you, we've been talking about Barbashev being on the move for a while. You know, the Blues are in a seller's market. They are trying to get younger really quickly. And, and I guess Army couldn't get the, uh, the first-round draft pick that he wanted from Vegas, so he got a first-round, former first-round draft pick mm-hmm. and a player in Zach Dean. And we'll see. Uh, we haven't seen this young man in the National Hockey League yet, but we'll see what he has. I'm going to ask Kerber about his, his potential and what he has. Um, but... The Blues are trending in a younger direction sure very are. quickly, um, and we'll see how well that bodes for them in the future. The only players left from the Stanley Cup champions now, Bennington, Bortuzzo, Pareko, Shen, and our own Robert Thomas. The Blues did lose their fifth straight game, second in overtime. Uh, they lost to the Penguins on Saturday afternoon 3-2, but they only get one point out of it, so they are uh, they're closing in there on that uh, opportunity, opportunity in hockey to to get the first pick in the draft. Now, there are no guarantees because you have the draft lottery in the National Hockey League. But that being said, CD, as we look at the overall league standings right now, Columbus has the worst record, 44 points. Anaheim has 45. The Hawks have 47. The Blues sitting there with 57. Still 25 games to go. Where do they need to get to? What what They need to be in the bottom 10? I that- think you'd like to be in the... Bottom four, ideally. Okay. Bottom ten gets you a chance, and that's one of the problems. Jordan Bennington, we love you, but slow down, baby. I mean, he, yeah. he's not going to stop, Randy. <laughs> he's he, he is the the in a season that has been you know so up and down, and so many losses, a, a lot of goals scored. Even with that being the case, he has been the bright star, you know, throughout the entire scene. He plays his butt off, butt off every single night, and it just doesn't always go well for him or for the team. But you know, it's it's not um it's not due to him not performing well. He's performing his butt off. And Doug Armstrong met with the media on Friday on the heels of the comments by Torpchenko and Berube, obviously, on Thursday night after the Vancouver game. And one of the things that we, as a fan base, need to keep in mind: we have to be real about what the Blues are. And fortunately, their poho and general manager, Doug Armstrong, is very realistic about what's on hand right now. We're not just looking at the results. We did for the last 10 years is if you won the game, you won the night. Now we're, we're going we're gonna to play some really good games down the stretch that we might not have enough to, to get over the hump. But it's that ability to go home and look yourself in the mirror and, and sleep, sleep soundly that you've done everything you can do. And that's what the guys are going to do. As a coach, as a player, you hate to hear that. I'm sure that the Blues players say, no, we're good enough to win games. I really admire the reality that Doug Armstrong is providing for the fan base. Hey, we're going to have nights where we play really well, but we just don't have enough to get over the hump. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you've you traded away a lot of people mm-hmm. that scored a lot of goals for you. And so you have to look at this roster in the way that it's constructed now and understand that, the wins probably won't be there in the numbers that you want, but the effort and the energy, the one thing that we've talked about the entire year, the things that you want to see, especially from young guys, you haven't been able to see it all season long, but now that they're getting younger, they're trending in the right direction. He talked about, you know, him and Baruby talked about those players coming up from Springfield and how they actually do play the mm-hmm. game the right way and maybe not wanting to bring them up because the Blues weren't playing in the manner in which they, they needed to to win games. Well, now you got a lot of young guys here, so hopefully those young guys take over the, the, the mindset of how to play the game, effort, energy, giving it all you got every single play, um, and doing your job. And it may not result in wins because they're just so young, still figuring out the tricks of the trade to, to how to win games, but 
you'll see the things that will give you hope for what will be this team in the future. And speaking of effort, hopefully the Blues will get cracking tomorrow okay. night. Okay, see what you did there. <laughs> Seattle, right. Seattle's in town. <laughs> Seven o'clock game, six o'clock face-off here. Randy, <laughs> Rock <laughs> took a deep. <laughs> Randy. <laughs> All right, and the day, the Devils got Timo Meyer, so Timo Meyer isn't coming nah. to here. No extension agreed to, despite uh, his RFA status at the end of the year and a ten million dollar qualifying offer in the offseason. But Jersey has a ton of cap space, and if he decides to subject himself to multi years in Jersey, congratulations no. to him. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't we have somebody on here last week telling us how how beautiful New Jersey was. Yeah, was it? It's Anzinger? called the Garden State. It, no, it, we were making fun of New Jersey. A texter said that, and oh. we were like, we have to back this up with Amzinger because yeah. he loved yeah. it. Yeah, we'll talk it's about the, the, the Garden State, yep. right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, hey, we've got a trivia answer for you. Tim Parker. Hey. Uh, there's, the, there's the opening drive bump, getting the first goal in SC history. Second corner. Here comes Parker, and it's into the net. Strike that one up as a slice of St. Louis soccer history. Their first goal in Major League Soccer. Tim Parker's got it. St. Louis have got the lead. Austin nil. St. Louis won. And remember this moment. Okay, all due respect. But and we are an expansion With all team. Due play. Yeah, we, we're, we are an expansion team playing our our very first game. Who cares? Okay. Who cares, first, Randy? First goal by Tim Parker. No, all due respect. The way I've never done a soccer game, but I know how to do a goal. It is by going goal. Respect to that guy. I don't even know who he was, but yeah, I know Kerry and I could do a better yeah, goal call. I mean, definitely. I'm ready. You just let me know. Yeah. And then two. Bring us uh, in the booth when, next time. <laughs> we'll, we'll get it done. We, we will. Two late tallies on the pitch for City SC, and they come back. They beat Austin FC, who was a Final Four team last year. And City SC wins their inaugural game 3 2, and all of St. Louis is fired up. They Pretty are. Cool. I mean, it, it, we were. We talked about it. Tim Parker was on last week. We had Lutz on. Uh, I said under promising but over delivering. Mm-hmm. Lutz kind of gave us the hint that we may not. You know, we may not be as slow your horses, guys. We na- may not be the team that you want us to be just yet. But actually, they are a really good team. They're 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 going to surprise some people. And Tim Parker said it when he was on last week. In this league, anyone at any time can win a game. It's an opportunity. You just got to go out there and give everything you got. So they did an outstanding job getting the first win of their of their of their history of St. Louis City. Tim Parker getting the first goal in St. Louis City history. It's just um, that that's special, and it's going to be an outstanding day when they come here next week and play oh, their man. first home game. Could home, be amazing. home match. Home match. There you go. And Apple TV Plus, you know where we are. And we'll only do SC games. So we're just saying that. There you go. Uh, Cardinal Spring Training, they open things up with a 3-2 loss to the Nationals on Saturday. And then the Cardinals hammered the Marlins yesterday 8-2. Oh, by the way, Jordan Walker with a 430-foot home run to dead center field. Hey! Hey. (laughs) If you didn't, Randy, listen. If you did not get excited when you saw that happen, I I feel bad for you. Because that was... 
It's pretty that, amazing. Uh, yeah, that looks like... It looks I like mean, how it's supposed to look, Randy. It does. You know that? Yeah. <laughs> right, does. And when you think about sports and how some things are supposed to look, that's how it's supposed to look. Yeah. He, 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 he got around the bases so swiftly, like he's been there before. Like, this eh, spring training, not a big deal, but looks like he's done that a time or two and has plans on doing that for a lot of times here in St. Louis. Yeah, it, it was... It was really awesome. It was. I mean, it was. It, it's one of those that uh, that take your breath away. Over the weekend, college basketball Saturday afternoon over at Chaffetz Arena, big win for the Billikens, eighty-one sixty-two over Loyola. Loyola only three and thirteen in the conference. Billikens improved to nineteen and ten, eleven and five overall in the A10. Meanwhile, in the SEC on Saturday, the Missouri Tigers, unfortunately I can't say your Missouri Tigers because they aren't Carrie's Missouri no, Tigers by any stretch of the imagination, but they hammered Georgia 85-63. So congratulations to M-I-Z-Z-O-U. And then in uh, Big Ten action where we have uh, Carrie's fighting Illini and uh, let's see, were we last night the Fighting Illini? Yeah. Yeah, we a, were. And it was 72-60 Ohio State yep. over the Fighting Illini. Yep, unfortunately. Yeah. We're going in the wrong direction, Randy. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, 19-10, and 10, 10 and 8. I, th- I had much higher hopes for the Fighting I Illini. I did, too. Especially after we beat Texas early in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they were number two at the time, Texas was. And, and I thought we were trending in the right direction. Just not been able to sustain it, you know, the entire season, kind of ups and downs, play good games and then play some some games where they just struggle, unfortunately. They'll, they'll still make the tournament. I don't expect much much noise out of, them, out of them this year. That's the thing. You just never know when a team that talented can turn yeah. things on. Yeah. You, hope that, you hope that they can. Uh, and by the way, uh, getting back to SLU, that Richmond loss last week is a cruncher because they still have games left with VCU and Dayton. They're eleven and five in the conference. If they were twelve and four in the conference, they would hold their destiny in their own hands. But the loss to Richmond last week on the road, where they blew the fifteen point lead, I think is probably going to come back and haunt them. They can still get the double bye though. If they win out, they will still have an opportunity, an opportunity for the double bye. But they need Fordham to lose a game because they don't hold a tiebreaker over Fordham. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up, three things we loved about the weekend here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Gary and Randy, three things we loved about the weekend here on 101 ESPN. Number three. My number three is uh, a a half-court shot by Arizona State Sun Devils. Devin Cambridge from from half court to win the game versus their rival Arizona win the game 89-88 assisted by his brother Desmond Cambridge they, the two brothers teaming up to score the final basket uh, from half court passed it into him took a couple of dribbles off the wrong foot shot it up and it went in it was a uh, the the scene was crazy for that team and when when you hit a shot like that on the road against an a rival in such as the Arizona State and Arizona, the entire crowd just goes silent. And it was awesome to see. It was awesome to see that shot being made. It was awesome to see, awesome to see the reaction by the team and the teammates. For me, that was my number three thing. That is high drama. That was yes. a great way for ASU to win a game. CD, mine was the Blues annual casino night last night over at Enterprise Center, and they haven't done it for the last few years because of COVID and various other reasons. But the players got together. Great to see Kelly Chase and Tony Twist and uh, Jamal Mayers and Neil Komodoski and a lot of the other Blues alumni 
there. Riz was there from 105.7 The Point. As a matter of fact, he was there so late that he's not even working this morning. <laughs> but uh, Chris Kerber and the Blues fans are so loyal to the brand and to the charities. And it's great to see St. Louis step up and step out and provide the funds needed for Blues for Kids, which helps out over at Children's Hospital. It really is spectacular to see what the Blues do in our community. And I was honored to be a part of it last night as a... Uh, I, I was... A guest assistant dealer. Okay, but I uh, had a great table. Uh, my my buddy, my new buddy Tony, was was the dealer at our table, and we had a great time. You so, saw Kelly Rosen. You, you, oh did yeah, you, did you let Callie him know you? Rosen? So I went to Kelly because he was at the table next to mine. I said, Kelly, I got to tell you, I'm from Randy Carricker from 101 ESPN. Do the morning show, and we are the Kelly Rosen fan club. My yes. partner. Kerry Davis is the president yes. of the Callie Rosen fan <laughs> club. So yeah, we got a we did a, a selfie and Very I sent it out good. to the gang. Very nice. That yeah, was a lot of fun. Number two. My number two, Randy, we, we talked about this guy earlier. May go down as one of the best players, probably not to win a championship. Damian Lillard, aka Dame Dollars, goes for 71 last night in a win. 131 to 114 win versus the Houston Rockets. And Dame is Dame. Dame is going to score points. He won the three-point contest. You normally see when guys have success over the All-Star break that they come out on fire in the second half of the season. Him shooting the ball the way that he did in the in the three-point contest to win it is just carried over into this regular season. 22 for 38, 13 threes made, Randy, for 71 points. Dame Dollars is is a uh, is an official bucket getter. He's going to score points whenever he wants to, and it is fun to watch. It is just hard to watch because he's on a team that probably is never going to make it out of the West. The comp that I make, tell me if you agree with this, is Tony Gwynn. Great mm, player, I like smaller that. market. I mean, a transcendent yeah, player. Yeah. He'll probably never win a championship. Go down as one of the best to do what he does. I, I like that. I like that comparison a lot. CD, my number two is the Ar- Ivan Barbashev trade, and it's not the Barbashev trade in and of, of itself, but it it's the fact that the Blues have gotten rid, not gotten rid of, but they've been able to get something for every single one of their veteran, unrestricted free agents that are coming up. Tarasenko, Mikola, Achari, O'Reilly, now Barbachev. Thomas Grice is is here, but he doesn't have an awful lot of value. If I'm an owner around the rest of the National Hockey League, i got to be going to my GM because the trade deadline isn't until Friday. Mm-hmm. I say, well, why is Armstrong getting all this stuff for all of his unrestricted free? Why, why is he beating the hell out of everybody here? What are you all? What are we doing? Yeah. yeah. Doug Armstrong has owned this trade deadline, and it doesn't even come until Friday. Yeah. And so the Barbashev trade, getting Zach Dean is part of it, but getting all the draft choices and the young players back in return and being able to handle all this within the salary cap era, really impressive on the, on the part of Doug Armstrong. And I loved him seeing complete the circle here. I hate seeing our guys walk out the door, but we knew they were going to walk right. out the door, so the Blues getting something for all of them, really impressive. Yeah, not being stubborn enough to hold on and wait to the last minute, knowing that if it's there, get it done, get something back in return that can be used for, for future you know, help for this franchise, for this team. I'm not a, I'm not too bothered by it as well. I think they I think he's done a, a fantastic job knowing that those guys were going to be unrestricted free agents and not probably not going to sign here anyways because of the market. You get under the salary cap, you get draft picks, you get an opportunity to kind of reshuffle your your roster and figure out who needs to be where going into the next season. Number one. Randy, we talked about this one earlier, and I think we will see many more of these young man named Jordan Walker. 
hitting a first inning home run, sorry, first inning bomb into left center. <laughs> Randy, that to me was one of that's what we've been waiting for, right? That's the that's that's what we have been wanting to see from this young man. First at bat, first pitch. And and we talk a lot about, you know, well, he hasn't seen major league pitching. That was Johnny Cueto. That is a major league pitcher. That is a guy that has been doing it for a long time. And I am excited to see this young man. Randy, he looked like he belonged in that moment. He looked like he will be the starting right fielder or left fielder, wherever mm-hmm. you choose to put him at, from day one. That's what that moment looked like to me. Maybe I'm I'm seeing more than I should, but that is a professional baseball player. That is a professional athlete at 20 years old that is ready for the moment, and he should be ready to go when they are ready to go. Kerry, there is a great photo. You can Google this photo. Just Google Oscar Tavares' first home run. It's with the rain coming down. It's uh, the, the raindrops had just started falling. Game against the Giants. The rain is falling, but the sun is shining. Yeah. And Tavares, with that beautiful swing that he had, hits a home run in his first major league at bat. We missed out on that, yeah. sadly, tragically. But we did wind up, uh, we do wind up having a guy like Jordan Walker come along who hopefully winds up being that player that we feel like we missed out on yeah. with Oscar Tavares. Here is that home run for Jordan Walker. Swing, fly ball, wallop, Jordan Walker, deep left center field. That ball is gone. And just if you look at it on the Internet, if you, if you didn't see it yesterday, you, you hit it on the head. It just looks like it's supposed to be yeah, that way. It does. Yeah. Uh, CD Mine is along those lines. It's just the Cardinals getting started. Wayno and Michaelis getting their starts, seeing the Cardinals out in spring training where we should have been. Yeah. Maybe next year. Yeah. But this would have been a great year, though. Jordan Walker, Mason Wayne. You guys. Yeah, right. Starting. On a more broad scale, though, I love (laughs) the pitch clock. I really like the fact that pitchers are forced to pitch, that hitters are forced to be there with eight seconds left on the clock. I think this will be one of the biggest boons to baseball ever because we had gotten to that point where the game had become so staid and so stale because pitchers were taking such a long time to throw the mm-hmm. pitch. And now they have to actually work, work fast. And it was interesting yesterday, even though Jordan Hicks did not perform very well, he threw 25 pitches, but he was still throwing 98, 99, 100 at the last of his pitches. So I'm not as concerned about Jordan Hicks being able to throw 100 mm-hmm. as I was. There will be some players that are going to be affected by that. But I think all in all, players will figure it out, and the pitch clock will be a huge benefit to baseball. Even saw a game over the weekend end due to a pitch clock mm-hmm. infraction or, or a batter not getting in, in, in the box in time, and you know the Red Sox and Braves ended their game in that manner. I, I think, as I said earlier, it's probably just because of spring tra- training that that took place, but it is kind of overemphasizing to the players. This is important. We need to get these games in. We need to get you guys. We need to get more action involved in the game. And and, and another thing, Randy, that you, you didn't talk about with the rule the the rules changes this year. The shift not being uh, implemented this mm-hmm. year. There was a hit by Nolan Gorman that was a rocket that maybe last year had he hit that ball, it's probably to the second baseman in in short short right field. Yeah. So those things are are changed and it's it's allowing uh, baseball to open up a little bit more and probably going to put more runs on the board, which is obviously what fans want to see. And by the way, Nolan Gorman made a hell of a double play, ranging to his right, uh-huh. getting to the bag and throwing a runner out. We're all concerned. That's one of my big questions yep. about the Cardinals is the, the infield defense at second base. Gorman 
shown himself very well over the course of the weekend. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. That's three things we loved about the weekend on 101 ESPN. Next up, Manny Machado, who last week said he was opting out with the Padres, now has agreed to a new deal. Smart or dumb on the part of the Padres? That's next on 101 ESPN. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, Trex, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. He's got three players now signed into their age 40 seasons, and that's Xander Bogarts, Machado, and Hugh Darvish. So he's taking a big risk here. And let's not forget, he's still got Juan Soto on that team that he's got to, if he wants to keep him, extend him at what will probably be the largest contract of all time. And there's no doubt he's going to at least consider going after Shohei Otani. So this thought that the Padres have done all their work and now they're just going to go with this for the next five or ten years, that's not how it's going to work. They're going to keep going and keep building and keep spending money. That is ESPN's Tim Kirchin on the heels of the Padres over the weekend signing Manny Machado to an 11-year contract worth $350 million. By the way, Tim Kirchin did not mention that in addition to uh, Xander Bogarts and Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis, the Padres now have Yu Darvish signed through his age 41 season, too. And people might look at this as a singular thing, Kerry, and think, Oh, man, there's no way that the Cardinals will be able to compete. I would suggest that the teams to look at, the teams that are making sensible maneuvers mm-hmm. are teams like the Dodgers, teams like the the Braves that are signing young players and signing them to deals that aren't in that $350 million range. Safe to say, the best right-handed hitter, all due respect to Miguel Cabrera, best right-handed hitter of our lifetime is Albert Pujols. Mm-hmm. The Angels gave him 10 years and $240 million. Yep. And what was he on the back end? Wasn't terrible, right? He, he wasn't great either, though. No, he wasn't he, either. His last few years in Anaheim were, were no. not great. So you've got a guy, Machado, really good player, but not to the level of Albert. Mm-hmm. Xander Bogarts, nice player, but not to the level of Albert. Fernando Tatis, we don't even know if he's going to play. Mm-hmm. But in his first couple of years, not to the level of Albert. 
you're going to have to play the back end of these contracts, too. We're, we're all excited about the front end of these contracts. Think what the Padres don't look at, that the Cardinals do, is how these play out from 2028, 2029 on. And I just can't envision these deals working out well for the Padres. Padres are a franchise like the Cardinals that can't afford to make these kind of mistakes. Yankees can afford to make a mistake where the back end of the deal, if it's not, they did it with Jacoby Ellsbury. He didn't play for the last five years of his contract, right? They can afford to do that and just pass it off. The Red Sox had a minor leaguer that was making $15 million a year, Rusny Castillo. But it didn't matter to them. They, they can afford that kind of cash. Padres, even though they're making more money now, they can't afford to make these the, the kind of mistakes that I envision them having to make. Yeah, it doesn't look. I, I mean, I'm looking at this roster now. You got Xander Bogarts, who is 30. Shortstop. Is he going to be playing at the level, the elite level you need him to be playing at at 36, 37, and he still has five years left on that contract? I, I don't know, Randy. I doubt it. I doubt it as well. You got because, got, To be honest, nice shortstop. He's not playing at an elite level shortstop now. There you go. So <laughs> it's going to, it's probably going to end up biting him in the butt. I think, you know, the Padres are just looking at the right now. They want to win right now. They, they want to get that championship under their belt to be able to say that they've done it because... It's never happened, right? They they want to be able to say that they're world champions. And they're doing everything in their power to make sure that it's done now. At some point, Randy, they're they're gonna be over the the the, the luxury cap. They're gonna be having to pay luxury taxes mm-hmm. over this this what is it, two hundred and fifty million? They're 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 approaching that right now. And so you're looking at if you're not winning championships, if you're not selling merchandise, if you're not selling out stadiums, you're gonna be it we talk a lot about the Cardinals and, and Bill DeWitt and how they don't spend money, but they, they're in a business to make money. They want to win championships, but they're in the business to make money. The Padres, if they're not winning a championship, I don't know how they're making money with all of the money that they're spending in it and that they're putting out into salary, into rosters, uh, salary. And you think about, Kerry, the fact that the Padres are going to be paying these multiple players through their age 40, 41 seasons. The Cardinals have Nolan Arenado signed through his age 36 season. That's five years that the Padres have Machado that Arenado will be off the books. Just look historically, since the end of the steroid era, at how many players beyond their age 36 season perform at a high level. Right. It does, Big Poppy did it, but it just doesn't happen. As a DH. Right. Like a, not a, not a in-the-field, in everyday type of player. Those things are... It's going to be hard on your body to be athletic, to be able to move... When you become 36, it's hard to get out of the bed, Randy, at 36, 37, mm-hmm. let alone diving and running around for, for trying, you know, balls and in the infield trying to make plays. Travel is going to be worse than it's ever been in Major League Baseball with the balanced yep. schedule. And by the way, Goldie is also signed through his 30, age 36 season. Now, I will say this as an old guy, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be around. I hope I'm around a long time. <laughs> but I would, as a fan, if I were a fan of the Padres, I'd be eating that up right. because my days, years, finite. Yeah. But if I'm 25 and I look at this logically, I'm saying, hey, why are you screwing around with my age 30 to 30, as, as a fan? Yeah. Why are you screwing around with my age 30 to 35 years? Why Why did you trade one of the top prospects in all of baseball to get Juan Soto? And by the way, as Tim mentioned, they have to sign him too. But as a, would I want to see the Cardinals doing this as a rational observer? 
I would not. I think no. it's cool, but I think it's also somewhat irrational on the part of the Padres. Is is Josh Hader in their plans as well? Because he's a free agent one. after this year, yeah. also, he's, right? He is, is. Yeah. Is he a guy that they look? That that is a lot of money, Randy. And what is what is Hader gonna gonna garner? Twenty million a year? Twenty? Yeah, Twenty five? Yeah. Somewhere in that, in that range? Twenty range for a closer? Yeah. So you're looking at well over that two hundred fifty number, two hundred fifty million dollars. If they don't win a championship, which I'm never of the thought process that just because you add, you know, the best players in the game, they all mesh and they all gel, and it's going to result in a championship. They have to win. If they don't, this project is a failed project, and it will be looked at <laughs> as case studies for years to come. Kerry, I can't reiterate this enough. Since the end of the 2009 season, 2010 on, either the Padres or the Dodgers have had the highest payroll in baseball, one of those two teams. And... In those years, 2010, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 13 years, those two teams combined have one championship. It's not great. You'd like to <laughs> get a better bang for your buck, I would think. Matthew, did you have something you wanted to weigh in with here? My, my thing is just kind of when you look at what the, what the Padres and the rest of baseball is doing, my big question is just the puke point's going to have to move when it comes to the Cardinals, a little bit. And my, it just my question is how is – when will it move, and it will there be a point where it has to take a bigger jump than they're prepared for because they're not maybe making that incremental adjustment they need to be making well, year and, by year? And to me, there is a significant difference between giving Manny Machado at his age 30 season, to, turns 31 this year. I, he does turn 31, right? Yeah. He, yeah he, July, he, uh, yeah, like six July or something 6th. like that. Significant difference between giving him eleven and three fifty or Jordan Walker at age twenty four eleven and three fifty. There's a difference. I mean, you you are you are. I mean, just the age difference. You're going to be a uh, seven years younger when you when you get to the end of that contract yeah. and and hopefully still playing well at, at at that age as opposed to being in your forties and maybe struggling to move around a little bit. And Listen kudos, to- by the way, to Boris. Because he got the Padres bidding against themselves. How many teams were out there that were going to give Machado the kind of money if he opted out that he was talking, the, the kind of deal, the 10 year deal? There's probably only two teams out there that would do it the Mets and the Padres. Yeah. And so he got the Padres to bid against themselves. Good for good for them. Just good for, good for him. I mean, just the threat of him opting out probably you know struck fear through through the Padres organization and felt that they needed to to resign him. But I want to get to to Rock's point. What he said about the Cardinals moving their payroll. I mean, are you looking at eventually maybe getting up to a one seventy five? Is that is that sustainable for them? Yeah, uh, I, I think they're above that now. Are they above that? Are they one seventy? They're projected at one seventy seven. So okay. Two hundred. Yeah, I think that could they get ultimately to, could they get to a two hundred million yeah. salary, two hundred million dollars yes, salary? They could and be sufficient, be okay with that, and and that give you enough players to have the success to yeah. to win games and win championship championships. Their, their revenues need to increase. We'll, we'll have to pay more for tickets, and uh, well, I think the big thing people are concerned about Bally going out of business. It's going to actually wind up being a huge financial boon for Major League Baseball mm-hmm. because there's no middleman. The nice thing about rights fees is you get a check, all right? right. So Bally just writes a check, and they're they're thirty percent owned by the Cardinals anyway. But if you can sell your own advertising, there's no middleman, right? You can you can set your own price and really set your own revenues, and it'll be so different for the Cardinal sales staff, and they're listening right now. But think about being able to walk into a business, let's say Bank of America, and say, okay, we've got a franchise that draws 
four million pairs of eyes every single year. We have a franchise that is always the number one rated radio and TV show every single night they're on, all mm-hmm. 162 games. And we have signage outside the ballpark and at Ballpark Village. You can buy all of this for the the ghastly low price of $500,000, but you're on our radio, you're on right. our TV, you're on our outfield wall, you're at our ballpark village, and all of the ancillary VIP things you get with this, too. There's no better deal. Yeah. Bank of America, Bank of America, looks. all the people look at each other. That's a hell of a deal. we got to mm-hmm. sign up for that. And so without, and there's a lot of money that comes from Bally. I'm not dismissing that. But if Major League Baseball teams are willing to work for it, their finances can go through the roof. And I think that's how the Cardinals can get to a $200 million payroll. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I hope it happens soon. Yeah. And by I, the way, you, you'll need good sales. The Cardinals already have good salespeople over there, people that I know and like and respect. Their, hey, the Cardinals, they know how to run a business. They, they've been doing it for a while, Randy. <laughs> yes, they do. Is there a difference between the Cardinals' general payroll and that rising with the rest of the MLB and their mindset on single-player contracts. I, that, I guess that's kind of kind of one thing I'm thinking. Like, where's the difference in that dichotomy and their thought there? Well, is, is it more natural yes. that they're going to do a sum-of-their-parts kind of team or say, hey, we're going to spread this $200 million out around, but we still don't want to give that $35 million per annum contract to that one guy it's yet? It's not the 35 Arenado will wind up making 35 from yeah, them. True. So it's not that as much as it is. The Cardinals did an analysis, which is all you need to do is go to Cots baseball contracts. Look at the biggest contracts ever given out. And then look at the last five years of those 10 to 13-year contracts. Mm -hmm. And all you need to do is look at the performance of the players in in those ages 36 to 41-year-old seasons. That's all you have to do. It's pretty simple to find out that you are not going to get bang for your buck when you sign a 30-year-old player to that contract. I mean, it's 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 been proven, right? It, we've seen yeah. it time after time. Yet teams still decide to go out because they're so they're so focused on those first six years as opposed to those last six years. Mm-hmm. And I guess not realizing that they're still paying those last six years. If they can get it done in the first six, maybe they feel like their fan base will be okay losing those last six years of the contracts, <laughs> knowing that they got a championship or two out of the first six. Well, of that them. that's the key. Yeah, yeah. You get a championship, then all bets are off. You got to get one, though. Yeah. If you don't, then it seems like it, it doesn't seem like right. it is you know, a waste of money. Yeah, Peter Seidler, the owner of the Padres, five years down the road, he's going to go to baseball next CBA and say, hey, you know what? We need to get rid of steroid testing. <laughs> 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 don't worry about it, fellas. Chicks dig dig the long ball. Yep. Uh, Guys, we've got to take it or leave it coming up. Big question here, and I I hate to get really serious with you guys, but this is a a serious, at times, show. Uh, What do you call a pony with a cough? A little horse. (laughs) (laughs) I like it, Randy. (laughs) Take it or leave it is next. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it.
Time for Take It or Leave It here on 101 ESPN. And I just learned something. I mean, literally within the last few seconds that could dramatically affect this show. But fortunately, it doesn't because we do our show prep. Our, our show is put together after we get off the air. We go into our little conference room and yep. we, we put together a show for the next day. And so when we did the fast lane, we would get in at about noon and we'd all be sitting at our cubicles. And Brad Thompson is probably listening. No, he's down in Florida. He's not listening right now. Oh, yeah, he's listening hey, on the app. He's BT. on that. Hi. Good morning. We BT. love you, BT. Uh, it would drive BT crazy that I would hum Frank Sinatra songs and stuff like that. Uh, so, CD, I just learned that uh, humming is a as a soothing mechanism for me is not a soothing mechanism for you, and it's not. Uh, I wasn't humming. Okay, we're gonna. It was somewhere else. But uh, take it or leave it. You're glad that we are doing afternoons. Oh, I'm glad. Yeah, yeah I'll take it. Mm-hmm. Humming and tapping, like mm-hmm. yeah, I don't. That, I don't tap that. To meet my nerves. Hey, 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 pal, 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 <laughs> hey, pal, pal. Can you can you stop that, please? For the rest of us, for yeah. the sake of the rest of us, please don't do Here's that. Here's the thing. When I was doing it, and I would assume this person that was humming around you over the weekend, I had no idea until BT told me to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea it was humming. And I can tell you what, BT probably dealt with it till he reached yep, his threshold. Yep. His threshold had been reached. He's like, hey, can you please stop that? Yeah, no, like, what it, are you talking it, about? It was Randy, shut up. <laughs> it wasn't, will you please stop that? It was Randy, shut up. But yeah, I, and I never even realized it. I said, yeah, okay, Brad. Oh. I will. I will. I will calm down, Randy. I, I, after and it's only two games, so we don't want to we don't want to get too excited. But let's get too excited. Uh, starting outfield, take it or leave it. Tyler O'Neill, Jordan Walker, Moises Gomez. I'll take it. Oh, yeah, pretty exciting. Opening day. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. I'm just saying. I, is it? Is it really? I think Newt is in there. I think Newt's a lock. But I could, yeah. could I see Newt, O'Neal, and Walker? Absolutely. That guy Moises Gomez is going to hit so, the ball hard, I think. Newt, O'Neal, Walker. Now. Right now. Newt, O'Neal, Ah, the now outfield. Yeah. I see what you did there, Randy. That just happened. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Or also, Randy, hmm? one. W O N. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Oh, so we're getting this thing going, huh? We're we're gonna play the game. Okay. Yeah, Good. I'm proud of this. Uh, uh, hold on. Hold on. Yeah, I don't have it right about. So we'll get it going. <laughs> I've I've got enough buttons that I can push here. So all right, uh, Matthew. What do we have on the old text line? Uh, this one's just playing to our uh, egos, and I love that. Okay. Take it or leave it. You guys should be down in Jupiter. Oh, yeah, I'll take, take it. it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and our our administration wanted us to be in Jupiter. There were extenuating circumstances that prevented us from going down in 2020. What year is this? Three. We'll be down there in 2024. Take it or leave it. The number of the day should be five. The Blues losing streak. Well, do I mean, have we lost five in a row? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's five now. We are at five, Randy. That's mildly disappointing. I wasn't even thinking about that. The number of the day scheduled to arrive. The number of the day is five. Oh, Randy, how many it. numbers do you have in there? God, I missed it. Well, what number can There's, we get to? I think we can get up to 20. <laughs> oh, I geez. hope not. I hope not. Connor yeah, Bedard, Connor Bedard here we come. Oh, man. The number of the day. Really hops and kicks. The number of the day is six.
Well, yeah. we'll know about that tomorrow, won't we? The number of the day. <laughs> I say simply heaven. The number of the day is... Seven! Okay, enough of that. Uh, Enough enough of that frivolity here. Uh, How dare we? Take it or leave it, 60% of the Cardinals' 2024 rotation is already on the roster. So three of the five. Take it. Take it. Yeah. I'll take that. Bats? Yes. Graceffo? Yes. Flaherty. Oh. Mm. Randy. How about that? He gets resigned. For twenty five yeah. mil? Uh yeah. Oh that's yeah. a little a year? Yep. Yeah. Seven more. years? More. More than that. I don't think uh, a six at six twenty seven point five per Whoo. average. Hey. That ain't my money, Randy. You can do whatever you want All to. All he needs to do is have a good year, man. He's if he has a good year, he's Carlos Rodon. All right. Right handed. Let's get it done. Get her done. Take it or leave it. PGA players having to maintain their own scorecard is one of the dumbest things in professional sports. 100% take it. That's one of the stupidest rules ever. Is it? Okay, which which one's dumber? That or that we still use the chain gang for football? I like the chain gang. uh, The the fact that you have to fill out a scorecard when everybody in the world has watched every shot you've taken on TV, that's ridiculous. It's stupid. We all know. And the fact that people it's use the, it. It's the history of the game, right? Does a head coach have to sign off on uh, in the NFL? Oh, yeah, they missed that extra point, so it was a 34-27 <laughs> game. No, he doesn't have to sign a somebody else's. Somebody else is, is keeping yeah. track of those things. Yeah. yeah we got got a few more important things going on. I would say. I, I think golf players do, golfers do, too. Uh, do take, well. yeah. take it or leave it. The Blues win f- less than four games the rest of the season. They have 23 left. To play. Oh, leave nah, that. I'm going to leave that. We had them at 7 and 20. 18 yeah, with 25, 25 games yeah. left. Now they are, I want to say 0-3 since then. So they aren't trending in the right direction. Not really, no. But, you know, they only got to win 7 in yeah. 22. They'll be fine. Somebody says, there, there probably aren't a lot of things that are, but take it or leave it, the win today is stronger than Kerry Davis. Hey, I mean, you listen. Look, look, I immediately looked outside when I first read that, and every single tree was moving. And that, I was like, damn. That win, no. Yeah. That win had, had, I was I was in the car like, oh, I can, it's, it is blowing pretty hard today. Dude, okay, that bridge coming across. Oh, yeah. Page. Oh, yeah. The second one, like the the, the, the one oh. that doesn't have like the struts. Oh, yeah. That thing has no air killer. Tell at all. me about I've it. I've hit that thing before, and my car has like immediately started going. That thing that's is. That's when it hit me. Oh, that thing is scared the hell out of me. Oh, yeah. they, they need yeah. to like put up like some like bigger like divider walls Something on that, to, that first to, bridge on the yeah. page extension yeah. going west. Oh, yeah. That's. Oh, okay. Hold Guys, on. Guys, I don't know oh, if I should be go. up here right now. Oh. It's a little rough, Randy. We got some turbulence up here as we take a look. Traffic. Traffic first here on 101 ESPN. And if you're going east or westbound on Olive Boulevard in Creve Corps, you're good. We have uh, multiple cars going both ways. North, south, east, or west on 270. Uh, it's going to be like a morning sunshine slowdown, but don't worry about it. Uh, you'll get there. Just take it easy. Take it slow. And uh, I'll tell you what. Be in that second lane from the right, guys and gals, and allow people to move in and merge, okay? I'm Captain Randy Carricker on 101 ESPN Jet Copter. It's windy up here. <laughs> Two? <laughs> <laughs> Take it or leave it. They should just give the Battle Hawks the trophy right now. Take, Take it. it. Right, we need to keep playing. Caw-caw, caw-caw. Yeah.
Holy cow. Probably need to keep playing. <laughs> They're good. This team's finishing games the right way, Rock. They would beat the Rams. I mean, right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they would be. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Let's, you know what? Why not? Well, let's uh, just, let's just it. break it down. A.J. McCarron or Matthew Stafford? A.J. McCarron, right? I mean, yeah. no I mean or or whoever the other multitude of quarterbacks, John Warford, Wofford. Yeah, Baker Mayfield. Bryce Brent. What was his name? Bryce Brent. What was the other yeah. guy's name? There's another quarterback there. Oh, had. yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. They had like four starting quarterbacks this year. Yeah. Hey, take it. Hager? No, 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 no. no they, yeah, they will, I'll find his yeah. name. Somebody knows um, his name. Okay, so we'll give them Cooper Cup over Marcel Aitman. Um, yeah, fine. Yeah, our, our running he back was hurt, situation. Though. Cup was? Yeah. Yeah. He was hurt. Eight, Aitman, he's a gamer. He shows up. He goes. Best skills availability. There you go. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the Matthew. Bryce Perkins. Bryce That's Perkins. Matthew, yes, let's sir. get this right. Okay. The best ability there you go. is availability. There you go. There you go. It's the same thing. Okay. You got one more? No, it's not because the best skill is availability. Doesn't The best ability uh, is availability. Hey. The best skill <laughs> is availability. <laughs> skill? It's too early for me to turn phrase. <laughs> Oh. It's too early for me to turn a phrase like that. I, I had it in my head, and I was like, I have no idea what it, what it is in my head. I'm just going to say it. Take it or leave. The Cardinals finished the year with seven-plus players in the lineup with 20 or more home runs. Leave it. We've, can't do we've that. already done this. Five, right? Five. So it's Temper expectations Nolan, it's uh, Nolan Arnato, Goldie, O'Neal, Contreras, and then I had... I believe Nolan Gorman is my fifth. Uh, well, if we're going to have Jordan Walker and Moises Gomez starting in right field and left field, maybe you do have seven. But I don't think they get enough at-bats. Uh, hey, Jordan Walker I will. Do. I, I'm, I'm excited, Randy. I, I've said it all. I love the excitement. All, all offseason. There's some, there's some, some uh, competition taking place and some guys really working for their roles and for their jobs, and so it should be, uh, should be good fun. Thank you very much for your texts. We do appreciate them. Coming up, Cardinal Skipper appears to have some beef. It's next on 101 ESPN. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. Swing, fly ball, wallop, Jordan Walker, deep left center field. That ball is gone. Now Segura ambushes the first pitch. That's hit high in the air toward Walker in left. And the big man up against the wall hauls it in. Little tapper. 
Cigarette, gloves, double clutch, and that's going to cost him. Walker gets down the line in good shape for a big man. He's got an infield hit. You have to love the way the Cardinals have started spring training with the young players that we've heard so much about doing really good things in the first couple of games. And yes, the old adage applies. Don't believe what you see in March or September. But that being said, Kerry, when you look at what the Cardinals youngsters have been able to accomplish here in the early going of spring training 2022, Moises Gomez is three for four. He has a double. Nolan Gorman has a couple of hits. He's two for four. Uh, He's driven in a couple of runs. Jordan Walker is two for five. He has the home run. The young hitters so far are doing the things that they need to do early on. We'll add that caveat to make this team. I, you know, don't believe what you see, but if if it's Jordan Walker, I think you should believe all of it. He's, he may be, you know, as advertised as they say. He he looks like a pro. He looks like a guy that is confident, you know. And for a guy that you said, Randy, has only been playing the outfield for two he, months. For two months, doesn't look lost or or you know, kind of frustrated or not knowing what's going on. He looks comfortable. He's an athlete that can play baseball, that can play, probably could have played a a multitude of sports, but stuck with baseball, chose baseball. I'm excited about what he brings. Moises Gomez, we heard about him. We didn't know much about him. We knew he hit, I think, 40 bombs, 37 bombs last year, and a guy that is coming in and and is probably going to try to compete for that spot. There is a lot of competition a lot of young guys doing well. Nolan Gorman's body looks different. He looks he looks like he took the mm-hmm, offseason yeah, to really yeah. get in shape, in really good shape, and and I'm sure that's going to help him, you know, for the entire season as well. So I'm I'm really excited about these young guys, and when you add them with the older guys, the veterans, the MVP type players, MVP candidates, you have a very good team on your hands, and uh, it's all going to boil down to the pitching. Yeah, and. It's really interesting to watch Walker perform in the outfield, and I know that it's really an apples-to-oranges comparison, but back in 1939, so what we're talking, 49, 59, 69, 79, 89, 99, 09, 19, so we're talking 84 years ago, but there was a player in New York who had never, he had always been a pitcher, never Mm -hmm. played the outfield, name was Roy Hobbs, played for the New York Knights. 72 games, 307 plate appearances, 42 doubles, 13 triples, 51 homers, and 106 RBIs. I would think that Jordan Walker, being the natural as Uh, he is, could perhaps mm. equate to what Roy Hobbs accomplished. Yeah, if he plays more games, he could surpass. Hobbs, 51 homers in 72 games. I mean, that was that's a, that, well, epic. That's about a, that was uh, epic. Home run every other, well, every, yeah, yeah, was, pretty much every game. And he had a long slump. Thank goodness for Iris, though, coming back and standing up at Wrigley Field. Meanwhile, over the weekend, Ali Marmol went out to shake the hand of C.B. Buckner. Now, those two had had a little set to last August, mm-hmm. and Buckner threw Ali Marmol out of a game. So Ali Marmol wanted to go up to home plate when the umpires met with the man, with, uh, manager and wanted to clear the air. And after the game, Buckner had neglected to shake Marmol's hand, Ali said, quote, Buckner didn't extend his hand. I went into that game pretty certain about my thoughts on him as an umpire. They weren't very good. It just shows his lack of class as a man. I am a big fan of Ali Marmol, and I know he's got a little rooster in him, but I don't think that even though the other umpires apologized on the part uh, of them because Buckner was a jerk, 
I don't think that's a battle to get into as a second-year manager. I actually liked it, and I like it because he's calling him out, and not in a in a he didn't he did it the right way. You know, I went out to shake the man's hand, and he didn't shake my hand. That that is a it tells me all that I need to know about him. But it also puts CB Buckner on notice, and all of uh, all of the other managers in the in the in the major leagues that this is who this man is. This is how he handles his business. There is nothing to. You know, you don't have to like someone. It's just ceremonial. You shake their hand, you go about your day. You don't have to have any more words with them. And I don't know how many more times they're going to see each other throughout the season. I'm sure they will mm-hmm. come across that staff and that and that that you know that crew again this year. But for him not to shake his hand, that just tells you everything that you need to know about him. And I'm glad that Ali actually pointed it out. Let everyone know that this is what took place. I know we had our because. When you look at what took place in Arizona last year with with the pitches that he was there was the the pitch that got him thrown out was about two inches three inches inside on Arenado, and there is no way Arenado was like strike. Well, are we watching the same game? And but that had been happening to both sides. It was the third inning that had been mm-hmm. happening to, yeah. to both to both teams up until that point, and Ali was well within his right to actually come out and say something. There is something about people that when they're dead wrong. They don't want to be challenged or don't want to be questioned about how wrong they are. And I think this is what C.B. Buckner is. If you are that bad as an official, as a referee, you shouldn't have a job. And, Kerry, it's unfortunate that the guys that are terrible, we know. Yeah. All right. C.B. Buckner is terrible. Angel Hernandez is terrible. Laz Diaz is terrible. And I'm with you. I, I like the idea that. Ali made the point. I don't know that he needed to. I, the, the other quote that Ali had was, I don't think he's very good at his job and ha, he has zero class as a man. Not that Ali is wrong is about there, that. Uh, where, there's no lie. But here's my hope Major League Baseball is investigating. I would yeah. hope that if that's the case, if they determine, and it should be pretty easy to determine, that C.B. Buckner would not shake Ali Marmol's hand, then C.B. Buckner shouldn't work any Cardinal games. At all. He should not be – and, and that's the one thing – so I coach high school football, right? And that's one of the things that I appreciate that, that the Missouri State Governing Board, Misha, does. If you, have an, if you have a problem with an official or a refereeing crew, you can actually put them on your do-not-work list, mm-hmm. meaning I can set aside certain names up to five crews that I don't want to work my games. Now – that you don't know what you're going to get in return, but I don't want these guys to work my games because this official, I've had officials talk to me like I wasn't a man. And it was Randy, <laughs> it was a point at halftime. I was like, hey, you know, the hell with this football game, sir. Hey, we can go to the <laughs> parking, parking lot. lot. We don't yeah. have to finish the game. I don't give a damn about this game right now because there is a way. <laughs> I don't want to make you mad, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think that Mack, who was in here, and every time he's trying to like, switch, transfer to a new story or segue, he'd look at Carrie and be like, God, you're huge. Yeah, There's a way you speak to people and you handle your business. And it's generally with respect. If you do things respectfully, you don't have a have an issue. And I think Ali, the the way that he handled that was, you know, I really probably deep down 10 years ago would have fought this man. But now Mm -hmm. I'm I'm a manager of a major league franchise. I'm going to just tell you about this person. And hopefully going forward, I don't have to see this man again this year or or any time going forward in my career. And you. You wonder what happened to a guy like C.B. Bucknor to have that little class that he wouldn't try to, from in a professional setting, yes. wouldn't want to clear the air, just be a good person. 
Just be it's not that hard, but you wonder what he was taught as a kid that brought him to this point. If you are some people are just downright awful. Mm-hmm. They, they are miserable. They are surly. They they just have, you know, something in them that doesn't allow them to be called out or, or proven that they are wrong. If, even if they even if everyone can see that they they're wrong, they double down on it. If the other umpire, umpires had to apologize on his behalf, Major League Baseball needs to step in and do something that we can see to C.B. Buckner, meaning he needs to be suspended yep. for X number of games. He needs to not be allowed to umpire any Cardinal games. These are things that when you deal with officials, these are the things as a coach that frustrate you because that's the human element. This person has a grudge or an issue with me. How can he be objective and fair in what he's doing on the field if he doesn't like me personally? And so if I'm Major League Baseball, Major League Baseball has to decide something to do to make sure that this punishment is is well known and documented and that he's not involved with the Cardinals going forward. C.B. Buckner, we know you're listening on the app down in Florida. Hashtag choose happy. Okay, just choose to be happy today. Hashtag choose happy. There we go. Kerry, Randy, and that is today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN coming up. The voice of your St. Louis Blues here on 101 ESPN. Chris Kerber will join us. We had a fun time last night at the Blues for Kids Casino Night. I I dressed up like a cowboy. I did. I didn't sing the song, but I dressed up like it. We're going to talk to Kerbs, who also was dressed up like a cowboy, next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. With Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Our buddy Chris Kerber, the voice of the Blues here on 101 ESPN, joins us as he does every Monday morning. Good morning, Kerbs. How you doing? Randy, I'm in I'm in like go mode here where like uh well, Christy uh, said, let's do some shredded chicken tacos for dinner tonight. So she sent me the, uh, you know, the ingredients and did the store shopping yesterday we did. And so I got it all in the crock pot, but I don't find the cilantro anywhere. So I'm like, oh, I think I'm hosed. That's how <laughs> well, i start my morning. When you get up on a Monday morning and can't find the cilantro, you have to evaluate your week. No, Here's man. the thing, Curbs. Because it is a crock pot and you have eight hours you can make your way over to Schnooks, pick up some cilantro, just throw it in there. Nobody will be, uh, nobody will know the difference if you just throw the cilantro in there a little bit late. You'll be fine. Yeah, well, I've already thought about that. I'm just decided it might be smarter to look up any substitute for cilantro and see if I have that first. Google's unbelievable. <laughs> I will do that. That might happen during this very segment, as a matter of fact. Uh, best spice substitute for cilantro. Hey, I had a great time last night, by the way. The, the Blues do such a magnificent job with the Blues for Kids. And the casino night last night, I enjoyed it immensely, and I know that all the fans were on hand did, too. Pretty cool event. Uh, they, they, they did it with a VIP dinner beforehand, um, which is something they hadn't done before that was really awesome. And, uh, you know, it had the entire coaching staff there, every single one of the players, and sitting with fans, dealing cards, and raising a ton of money. I mean, what, what the Blues do with the money that they raised last night, Randy, goes to the Blues Care Family Fund over at St. Louis Children's Hospital. And that, that helps 
that helps families that come in with lodging, meals, transportation, other needs that they have. And, you know, we, we talked to a couple of the patients last night that was part of the program. And, you know, these families go in and they're, you know, in one case we were talking to a, a young boy at eight years old or a year ago was having a brain tumor removed. And, and you know, just the things that are going through the minds of the mom and dad. And, and the other, really what's an amazing aspect of what Children's Hospital does is they, they care for the whole family. They, they know that that impact could have an impact on the brother, the sister that's not there, that's not able to be at the hospital, right? And, um, and those, are, those are things that become part of the family care um, that they're acutely aware of. And, then, and these funds go to help those families. So just on the money raised last night, it's going to actually help deliver those needs to over 1,400 families at Children's Hospital. Pretty cool. Pretty amazing, really. Hey, Curves, uh, transitioning on the hockey, on, on the ice, the uh, Blues made another trade uh, the past couple of days, trading Barbashev to the Vegas Knights, and they got back a young man in Zach Dean. Probably were trying to get a first-round pick. Las Vegas may not have wanted to actually trade a pick, but traded a former first-rounder. Who is Zach Dean, and, and what is he to this roster when he eventually gets up here? Well, I, I don't know much about him, to be honest with you. I know he represented Team Canada at the World Junior Championships. So that, that tells you that he's considered to be one of the top, you know, young players in, in that sense. Um, but honestly, I haven't, I haven't seen much of him. What I can tell you, Kerry, is I, I look at what Doug Armstrong did here, and I, and I find it kind of fascinating. You, you're thinking, okay, you're trading Ivan Barbashev. There's clearly a market for him, and everybody trades for draft picks. The, the key, though, is with you, like, let's, let's just assume that the Blues had traded for a first-round pick from Las Vegas and Vegas were to go to the Final Four. So let's say it's a, a pick that's 28 to 32. Well, if you'd pick that player in 2000, 2023 draft and you use that pick, you're probably talking about two years before he finishes his college career, possibly, or his junior career. After that, he turns pro, you're talking about another year or two, maybe one year in the minors, maybe up and down like Jake Neighbors, for example, this year. Um, and and then from there, you're hoping that he makes your roster the next year. If he makes your roster the next year, now you're talking about a rookie going in. Okay, so we're in year – at this point, we're in year four, mm-hmm. right? So we're talking 2027. That you're in year four, he's a rookie in the National Hockey League, and, and now you're dealing with the growing pains in the NHL. When you, when you look at the growing pains that Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo and others are going through still, and you're talking about year four, year five, we're actually talking about 2031, hmm. you know, on a draft pick from 2023. And I think you have to look at that and go, okay, well, what is Doug Armstrong doing? He's talking about wanting to do a, a, a retool here. But what he did was he traded, instead of trading for a draft pick, he traded for a player that was drafted in the first round that's already two years into that process. So, and, and it's someone that could turn pro next year possibly. So I think that it, it's an advancement and an interesting smart move for Doug Armstrong rather than just go on a pick and then see what you do with that draft pick. So there's a lot of currency going for draft picks. I mean, look at what the Tampa Bay Lightning just gave up for Tanner Janot. You know, they gave up Cal Foot plus four draft picks for Nashville's Tanner Janot. Now, one's a 2025 first-round pick. There's a 2024 pick, and then three picks in, in the 2023 draft. But it shows you that Tampa says, look, we're still in this window. We're going for this now, and 
We don't really care about five years from now at the moment. We, we want to win another Stanley Cup now. And so I, I think what Doug did in, in getting Dean from Vegas versus a draft pick is, is one of those thought processes of how you speed things up. Hey, Curbs, with that being said, with the draft picks that they do have for, for this year, do you see them actually drafting players or potentially trading those away for players that are ready to go you know, sooner rather than later? Well, that's a great question. And again, using that last example, you know, go back to one of Doug Armstrong's very first trades, and the Blues had a had an early second-round prospect in Aaron Pelushai, and they ended up trading him to Montreal to get Matt D'Agostini. And Matt D'Agostini was an NHL-ready player. And what Doug Armstrong said at the time was, we just advanced the process by a couple of years. So we know that that's in his M.O. I would almost be surprised to see the Blues take three different first-round picks uh, with those. I would almost expect there to be some currency used in the trade for an NHL player or a closer-to-NHL-ready player, at least with the last two picks. Now, where their first pick is going to be, you you got to hope, and I know this is hard to stomach for fans, and I totally understand it. Right? But, but but you got to hope that the Blues end up finishing somewhere in the in the top ten pick range. That way, at least you have a chance with the lottery pick to move up to one of the top three picks. It could be pretty spectacular. So, part of that question, Kerry, may get answered on where the St. Louis Blues actually finish, and then what their first round, their first first round draft pick is. Not one of the two that they acquired. Curbs, another acquisition over the course of the weekend. The Blues picked up Kasperi Kapanen off of waivers from Pittsburgh. I really liked the deal when Pittsburgh got him back from Toronto a few years ago. Hasn't really lived up to what the Penguins expected, but he is a guy with talent. What do you think the Blues have in Kasperi Kapanen? Yeah, it's an interesting one. We're going to see how it plays out, Randy, because you've got a 26-year-old that's under contract this year, under contract for next year, going into a contract year next year, so you hope he's highly motivated because a good year from him could get him paid. If that happens, and depending on where the Blues are, he becomes another asset, kind of like maybe a Bill Garrett and what, how the Blues turned that you know, into a draft pick in, in their rebuild back in the early 2000s. So um, he's a player that at times, depending on who you talk to in the Penguins organization, had fallen out of favor with the coach, uh, at times inconsistent, plays the game on the outside, and yet we've seen him, and we saw him in the first game that the Blues played against him, drive the net, get a hat trick, and, you know, and has some skill. So he's shown flashes. He's had a 20-goal season. This is one of those, is it a potential late bloomer? Is another change of scenery a good thing for him? All that psycho, you know, sports psychology baloney, uh, we'll find out. But uh, in the end, it's, a, it's an NHL body with experience to come in and and can play. And not only do they need that this year, but they're going to need that next year. And when you start to surround, you know, younger guys with players that have been around the league a little bit, it can play. It helps you in that development. Hey, Curbs, with the, uh, you talked about the Blues having to maybe lose some games to get in that top 10 pick range. Uh, do you think that that's feasible? And, and that's not something that, that is really good for players on the brink of trying to stay on a team or make a team. How do you see that going for this team going forward? I see it as a fascinating clash of philosophies. <laughs> You've got coaches and players that are prepping and trying to win every single game. And then you've got the reality knowing that the higher draft pick you get right now is better for your future. How does that all play out, you know, and, and how does a general manager manage those expectations plus, you know, the, 
you know, making sure that you're taking care properly of guys like Braden Shen and Pareko Falk and these guys, these veteran players. So, and, and look, and Kerry, I mean, you've seen this in pro sports. So have you, Randy. You let a losing culture creep in. You, you let the losing culture creep into your dressing room. Sometimes it can metastasize in bad ways and can it can be hard to get out. So that's a delicate balance. All I do know is this. You've got 24 games to go. And the higher the draft pick you end up getting, the better. So if I'm, I guess my advice to Blues fans would be this. I don't know what's going to happen in these final 20-plus games. But if you lose more than you win, don't lose a whole lot of sleep over it. It's actually beneficial right now. Absolutely. Uh, Curbs the Google Machine tells us that Parsley is a, a decent replacement for cilantro. Well, I got some of that. That's, there, there <laughs> See, that's why I was going to look that up. Yeah. Yeah. So I we got some of that. We are a full service program right here. <laughs> that's why I love you guys. It's important. And, and, and my, you know, my crock pot dinner thanks you very much. <laughs> you got it. Curbs, have a great day. Thanks so much. And we'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. Have an awesome week. You too. That's the voice yeah. of the blues here on 101 ESPN, the one, the only Chris Kerber coming up next. Do we have a fighter? We need one. We need a fighter, so you can text in to 314-399-9646. That would be 314-399-YOHO. If you happen to be using the letters on your phone, just text the word FIGHT into the Air Service Comfort text line, and perhaps you will fight me next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight! In the red corner, average Joe Listener! And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive! Please welcome Randy Carricker! Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Matthew Rocchio, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Chris. Chris, how are you doing today? Fantastic. What about yourself? Doing great. Are you ready to roll? I'm ready to roll. Let's do it. All right, here we go. We're feeling a little nostalgic today about the 19 Cup winners. Who scored the fourth and final goal in Game 7 of the Blues versus Bruins final? Is it Ryan O'Reilly, Braden Shin, or Zach Sanford? Let's go with Shin. All right, which team holds the MLB record for the most total team home runs in a single MLB season? Is that the Minnesota Twins, the New York Yankees, or the Houston Astros? Uh, The obvious choice, I think, would be the Yankees, but that makes it seem too easy. I feel like Randy going over this. Um, You know what? Let's go with the Astros. All right, Chris, since Wilt Chamberlain left the NBA, only two players have scored more than 36 points per game in a season. Michael Jordan and which active player? Kevin Durant, LeBron James, or James Harden? James Harden. And, Chris, who holds the record for the most strikeouts thrown by a Cardinals rookie pitcher? Is that Jaime Garcia, Rick Ankiel, or Adam Wainwright? Rick Ankiel. All right, we'll double-check the score. We'll bring in Randy Carricker. Chris, how you feeling? I'm just hoping I got one right. 
Well, you answered one very quickly, so I think you you, you knew one of them for sure. You, do you know which one know. I'm talking about? No? I think that's some false confidence. Okay, well, I mean, sometimes <laughs> you go with your first gut, and it works, and sometimes, you know, sometimes it does not. It's a, it's a tough task going up against Megamind, seeing how he knows everything. Yes, it is. Randy, say hello to Chris. Chris, good morning. How you doing? Great. What about yourself? Everything's terrific. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for playing today. We appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, Randy, here we go. Yes, sir. We're feeling a little nostalgic today about the 2019 Cup winners. I can imagine. Who scored the fourth and final goal in Game 7 of the Blues versus Bruins final? Fourth and final goal of that 4-1 victory over the Bruins. I kind of think it was, meet up with me, Sanford! Uh, I think it was uh, the guy that just inflicted so much pain and elicited such a response from Bruins fans. I'm going to say Zach Sanford. Meet up with me, Sanford. Randy, which team holds the MLB record for the most total team home runs in a single MLB season? Baltimore had it. I think Baltimore still might. Did the Somebody got to 300 a few years ago. Was it the Yankees? Who hit 300 home runs? Like two or three years ago. Uh, you know what? I'll do the lifeline just to make sure here. Is it the Minnesota Twins, the New York Yankees, or the Houston Astros? I think it was actually the Twins that did it. I think the Twins hit 300 home runs in a season. I will go with them. All right, Randy. Since Wilt Chamberlain left the NBA, only two players have scored more than 36 points per game. Michael Jordan and which active player? I don't know if Harden, for their career, it's 36 a game? 36 points per game in a season. In a season. Harden. I'll I'll go James Harden. And, Randy, who holds the record for most strikeouts thrown by a Cardinals rookie pitcher? I don't believe anybody has eclipsed the 194 that Rick Ankiel amassed in the 2000 campaign. So I will go uh, Rick Ankiel, 194 in 2000. I didn't need the other stuff. I'm sorry. <laughs> now, now, now you're just showing up and make sure we plays. It just it was there. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Did Chris come in here on a Monday? Rattle Randy's cage a little bit to start the week? Or are we going to have to deal with Megamind puffing out his chest for the next five days? Ring that bell. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! The winner and still champion of the fight. Randy Carricker. The fight is driven by Mobile On The Run. Join the On The Run STL Wash Club for a limited time offer of $5 a month. Download the app today. Just win, baby. Love that Mobile On The Run, too. Sorry, Chris. You came in late. You got the last two correct, but unfortunately, Randy got all four right. He hit the jack. That's a 4-2 win for Randy Carricker. Good job, Chris. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Have a great day. You too as well. And let's get through those answers. We're feeling a little nostalgic. Of course, we are. The fourth and final goal was, in fact, Zach Sanford in that final in, in Game 7. Do uh, we have it? There's we, only, I, I've been looking for it. Okay. It, it, it. It hides away. I think it's because it's under the labeling is Boston fan, not Sanford. Oh, okay. Good. And that's why good. I, it always throws me off to find it. By the way, there's only one player who scored a point in that final game left on the Blues roster, and it is Braden Shen. How about All that? the assists are Tarasenko, Perron, the 
go by O'Reilly. Everyone gone but Braden Shen, who scored a point in Game 7 of that final. Minnesota Twins set the record a few years ago, 307 home runs. The Yankees actually hit 306 that same season in 2019, mm-hmm. so the Twins still have the record. Since Will Chamberlain left the NBA, it is James Harden and Michael Jordan, the only players to top that 36-point-per-game mark in a season. And Rick Ankiel still sits atop Cardinals rookie pitchers, 194 strikeouts. Randy got that 100% as well. So it's a 4-2 win for Randy again for Randy today. Again, Chris, thank you so much for joining the show and joining the fight today. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Chris, job, appreciate Chris. you. Thank you very much for tuning in and being a part of the program today. Couldn't do it without you. Coming up, a win for St. Louis City SC in their inaugural game in Austin on Saturday. Jared Stroud, one of the goal scorers, joins us next on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I think uh, we want to press high. We want to counter press. I mean, press high means... Uh, be as aggressive as possible in the opposition half and counter press, get the ball quickly back as possible, also high up. I will control, call it actually a controlled chaos. Oh, that's completely given away, and it's an equaliser. Jared Stroud on his return to Austin, and it is all level inside the last quarter of an hour. A dreadful goal for Austin to give away, but St. Louis are in dreamland again. That's Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. And what a dramatic victory for St. Louis City SC in their inaugural game Saturday night in Austin. 3-2 over Austin FC. Jared Stroud scored the equalizer at the seven, in the 78th minute. Klaus scoring in the 86th minute to make it 3-2. And that was the final. And Jared Stroud joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Jared, thanks so much for your time this morning. Congratulations on the victory. How are you doing? I'm I'm good. I'm good. I'm still recovering a bit, but uh, now I'm feeling I'm feeling good. It feels good to be home. Hey, Jared, talk about that moment. First of all, obviously the win, but that first goal by Cody Parker, you all taking the lead, and and just really what that moment meant for you all as as St. Louis City getting your first time on the pitch and getting your first goal scored. Uh, what was that moment like for you all? Yeah, yeah, it was super special. I mean, um, we had worked on set plays a lot during the week, and uh, yeah, Big Timmy. Big Timmy got his head on it, and uh, yeah, as soon as it went in, I just, you know, we wanted to celebrate with our fans who were in the, the top right corner, so we had to, to do a little pivot and uh, and run over to them, but yeah, it was great. It was great. It felt like, uh, you know, we could hear them up in the stands, and uh, but yeah, it, it meant a lot to us, and we knew how much it meant to the city. And my apologies, I think I said Cody. We had Tim on last week, and we uh, we got we call it the opening drive bump. So he got his first goal of the season because he was on the opening drive. So going forward, the the next goal that you get will be because you were on the opening drive as well. <laughs> I like that luck. I hope that uh, I hope that pays off on on uh, Saturday. Hey, Jared, we heard Lutz right at the beginning of the segment talking about the relentless style of play that you guys employ. And I really, in watching, I I thought that was a big part of the reason that you guys were able to do what you did late. Am I correct in that, that style and just keep pounding the rock is a big part of the reason that you came back to tie it and ultimately win it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, essentially, you know, we want to we want to play aggressive. We want to be on the, the front foot and, we, and you know, we want to dictate the game and uh, we don't ever want to be out, you know, uh, you know, the other team kind of bullies us around. Right. We want to be the ones who, who, who dictate the game and 
uh, yeah, being physical with them, it, it, it wore off, right? And then, you know, by the last 20 minutes, you know, they, yeah, they scored, but uh, it just felt like we always knew that, that we were we were pushing the tempo. And, uh, yeah, those, those late two goals came, and, and we just had confidence that they would. But the style, uh, the style is tough to play against, even for home teams, you know, with, uh, with that many fans. You played for Austin last year. Was there anything that you knew about Austin FC that came in handy when you played against them? Yeah, I mean, I, I knew that they, they like the ball a lot. They like to have possession and, and play very pretty soccer, right? And, uh, it, you know, for a lot of the part, uh, it's good and it looks good and it, it worked last year. And um, But, you know, I kind of knew that there was weaknesses and, and that we could pounce on, on some opportunities, and we did. Um, and, you know, I knew that they, they were feeling a bit of pressure off of the year that they had last year to, to come and redo it. So, um, yeah, we, we spoke about that during the week and, and I think the the team executed, you know, what we wanted to do and, and how we wanted to hurt them really, really well. Hey, we had uh, Lutz on last week. We had Tim on last week. And Lutz talked about maybe not getting so so excited for the St. Louis fans about, you know, it's going to be a process for this team. Tim said last week, you know, any week, anything is possible in the MLS. What are you all's thoughts in that locker room about this team and about this club? You know, in a, in a franchise beginning beginning year, what are your thoughts about this team and how good you all can be? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, every game is a is a dogfight, right? Every game, you know, we want to win, we want to compete, we want to get points on the road, which is what we did. Um, you know, I've been in this league for I think this is my sixth year, uh, and every game is is played on a nice edge, right? And it can kind of go either way, uh, and that's how a lot of sports are. And for us, you know, we know we have the players, we know we have the quality to win games, but. Uh, all we can do is focus on, you know, one game at a time, um, you know, winning our home games, winning this weekend and uh, and and just trusting the process that by the end of the season, we're going to be in playoffs and and we're going to, you know, defy all the odds. Right. People don't have us written up as the top five, top four finish, but that's good. It just, you know, it just takes a little bit of pressure off us. But that doesn't mean by any means that we can't, you know, finish in a, in a top spot. So, yeah, gives us gives us confidence this weekend and uh you know, we uh, the players who've been in the league know what it's like, and and know that you know you can, your season can uh, you know turn fast for for a really good thing. St. Louis City SC midfielder Jared Straub with us on the opening drive. And Jared, you have had the opportunity to witness the fans of St. Louis. You know it's going to be packed on Saturday night. What do you think it'll be like for you? What do you, When you take the pitch, and you did so for an expansion team last year, what do you think it'll be like for you to play with that sort of enthusiasm at City Park on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, it's it's just always nice having, having fans behind your back. Uh you know, it's um, yeah. It, the the city has already felt really special to me. The people here have been super kind to me, open, welcoming. Um, yeah, to play in front of them and you know to try and to to win games in front of them just just gives me extra energy. Um, you know, it makes me want to tackle harder, be more physical, score more goals. You know, win more games. So um, yeah, and obviously I have my family coming in, and and that means a lot to me as well. But. Yeah, I, I always say before big games like these, uh, just, you know, before the game, take a, take a deep breath in, enjoy it, um, have fun. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's just a game and, um, you know, just like any other game. And, you know, we want to win. Uh, and you got to focus on, on each play. So, um, but yeah, I definitely want to just take it in and, and give the St. Louis fans what they deserve. How many family members? Who, who do you have coming in? 
we got, uh, you know, um, me, my parents, my partner's parents, some of my brothers, um, and then, you know, some, some of our friends that we've already met down here uh, and some of our family friends down here, actually. So, yeah, we, we got a, we got a, we got a big little, little big crowd, uh, for, for, uh, for number eight as well. So I'm excited. <laughs> Love it. Hey, Jared, you were, as Randy mentioned, you were part of an expansion franchise a few years ago. Uh, and now you're part of another one. What if some, of, what are some of the things that you've been able to maybe explain to your teammates or some of the information that you gained in the first time around that you were able to share with some of the guys here? Um, yeah, I mean, there's, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're both different, um, experiences for sure, but, um, they're, they're also very similar, you know, really good fan bases. And, you know, I just tell the guys to, to not focus on the, the media and what people talk about, because every time you're an expansion team, from what I've seen, people, you know, ever all the MLS people, everyone thinks that you're not going to be good. Right. And it, it's a, it's an easy self, you know, prophecy that, people say that and then, you know, it, it starts to hurt your confidence. So I always just tell the guys to, you know, stay off social media, um, just focus on what we can control, uh, learn fast, right. Learn from the older guys and, you know, uh, just start to gain wins, gain momentum and uh, just give them advice throughout the season on little plays and um, how the MLS works and, and what it looks like and what it can look like. And just those small conversations and, you know, if I have to speak up in big meetings as well, just, um, you know, taking leadership and, and telling them what I've experienced. Uh, but, yeah, just, just staying focused on, on what we control. That's great and smart and, and heartfelt. Hey, Jared, uh, our mantra here on the opening drive is, why not us? So to tell your guys, say, 101 ESPN in the morning is cool because their thing is, hey, for all of the, the naysayers, that's, I'm sure that that's what you're saying amongst yourself is, why not us? Exactly. Exactly. Why not us? I mean, got to be someone, right? Yep. I've been on a good team. So I've been on bad teams. It's always a, a very, you know, slim margin, and uh, and yeah, it can it can be us. But you know, oh yeah, exactly. As I said, all we can control is training this week and getting into the game and, and playing the way we do. And yeah, one game at a time. Long road. Long Definitely. Season. Yeah. Hey, have a, a great week of training. Good luck on Saturday night with Charlotte in town. And, man, you thrilled St. Louis on Saturday night. All of you guys, uh, mm-hmm. you with the tying goal, Klaus with the winner. It was a lot of fun to watch and continued success. Thanks for ending, Kerry. You guys going to be there or what? I'm definitely going to. Yeah. I'm, I'm working on getting tickets now, so I, I do think I'm going to be down there uh, checking you all out. Absolutely. Yes, Especially me, since you yep. just called us out on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Thanks, right. Gary. Appreciate it. Have a nice day. Thanks, Thank you. Take care. Jared Stroud from uh, City with us on 101 ESPN. Yes, uh, the the scene on Saturday night should be, be epic, right? It's going to be crazy. Yeah. It's, it's in, a, in a great way, just the amount of energy. Like I said, people don't realize how much – St. Louis loves its sports teams and, and you know, adding two teams in, in the last year. You got the Battle Hawks, you got the, the City. They're, they're all, it's going to be fun down there watching them play. And, and it's going to be exciting to see how this all, all pans out. It's going to be really fun. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up, the Blues get a prospect rather than a pick for Ivan Barbashev. Is that a good thing? And are there any other players left to take off this roster? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Randy and Carrie break down the biggest story of the day on the Opening Drive. It's 
It's time for today's big thing. Just a couple of weeks ago, the St. Louis Blues had five potential unrestricted free agents. Vladimir Tarasenko, Noel Achari, Ryan O'Reilly, along with, uh, who am I leaving out here? Oh, Nico Mikola. And now they, and and also Thomas Grice, and I guess Barbie. So you had a half a dozen cousin, and Mm -hmm. now those half dozen have been whittled, whittled to just one. Thomas Grice is the only guy left. And so the roster, Kerry, has been pretty much picked over, and I would not expect that the Blues will make any more sell trades. If if they could, if somebody... And I was going to ask you that. Do you think they're done? Uh, got a couple more, uh, got about a week. I could see them buying. Thing is, though, and I... This is I not miss. a reflection on a person, but I got to tell you this. If I were a hockey team, and I were in contention to win a Stanley Cup. I can't imagine that the way Tory Krug has performed this year and with the injuries that he has dealt with, I can't imagine that Tory Krug would make my team better. If Tory Krug what was what he was in his first year with the Blues or his last years with Boston, that would be a different story altogether. But he just doesn't to me, he has not played to a level where he would be a difference maker for a team that is thinking of winning a Stanley Cup championship. So would I trade for him if I were another team? No, I I wouldn't, especially with the term left on his contract four more years at six and a half. Same with Pareko, who's as good a guy as there is in the world, but his play has not dictated that he would help another team. And that's really all you're thinking about if you're Doug Armstrong at this point is right. trying to shed some salary. So I think the Blues, in terms of selling, are done. Would I be surprised, though, if he would find a team that had a 25-, 26-year-old guy? They were in the hunt for Timo Meyer before he mm-hmm. went to New Jersey. Would I be surprised if the Blues would wind up giving a couple of picks to get that guy? At the deadline, I wouldn't be surprised at all. But I think it's more likely to happen at the draft. It was a report last week that I believe Ottawa was interested in Pareko. Yeah. Is that correct? And, and, and they've kind of backed off. Okay. Well, the reports have backed off. Got you. Well, I mean, if there are teams that are interested in some of those guys that we've talked about, and that would clear up some more, some more cap space, which would allow you to do something in free agency next year. I think that, that that Army would be looking at it. I don't know, as you said, Randy, if teams would be willing to go after you know, some of the people that are still left on this roster. Those guys probably haven't performed to the level of, of what they, their own expectations are or what the Blues' expectations have been this season. And, and if you're trading for someone, you're expecting to trade for that person, especially with the, the amount of money, mm-hmm. the salary that they're being paid. You're expecting those guys to come help you win right now. And if Tory Krug or, or Colton Pareko aren't playing at the level that are helping the Blues win, it's probably going to be tough for them to, to help other teams win as well. Now, to play devil's advocate against myself here, Doug Armstrong himself said that the culture in the Blues room and their style of play wasn't that good. That's why he didn't want to bring players up from Springfield. And if you're another team and you see a guy like O'Reilly go to Toronto and perform well, or any of the others, Atari, Mikula, Mm -hmm. any, any of the others, and they perform reasonably well, maybe you believe what Doug Armstrong is saying and you look at Colton Pareko and you evaluate the skill set and say maybe... The problem isn't him as much as where he is. 
if I'm the Blues and you have an offer on the table, fourth, fifth, sixth round pick, but you can take the salary off the table too. Correct. I would really have to think long and hard. I, I kind of think I would do it if I were offered something minimal to take the salary out of the team. So if a team offered you a fifth round pick for Colton Pareko, you would you would sign on the dotted line for I that? I would consider that. What, because the, the, the fear that you always have is, as you said, sometimes people need a, a change of scenery. And if Colton Pareko were to leave here maybe not lived up to the contract up to the, up until this point, but go somewhere else and has success and all you got in return was a fifth-round pick, mm-hmm. you, you, people kind of looking at you sideways, wondering yep. what it was that you weren't able to do that the new organization was able to do to get him playing better and playing to the level of salary that he's making. And it might be coaching, it might be system, it might be partner. Okay. And maybe all those three things come to fruition and they mm-hmm. all converge and he turns into the guy that he was in 2018, 2019, 2019, 2020 because the skill set is clearly still there. But that's why if you're the Blues you have to be really, A, you have to be really good evaluators and say, okay, it's not going to happen for us anymore with right. him. But the other part of it is, is that $6.5 million a year for eight years. Right. And I, that's the what I'm looking at if I'm the Blues is basically I'm getting, I, I'm not necessarily trading the player I am trading for cap space yes that's what <laughs> to, I'm getting to alleviate. so yeah. that, I got two questions well one question really is there a chance that Timo Meyer is going to be a free agent this offseason is there yeah, a chance he's restricted that, after this year so that means that the Devils can offer him a contract but mm-hmm. the Blues can match it or, or try to match it or try to go above it is right. there is there potential for the Blues to be in that market or any free agent market looking for for one of these people that are going to be free agents this offseason. I would be surprised if the Blues would go the restricted free agent route, even though they do have the cachet to do so. Mm. But you, those, the, the problem is, is that the draft choices are in June and free agency starts in July. So if you had 2024 first-rounders, it would be different. But right. since they're this year, I don't th- see, see that happening. That being said, New Jersey's going to be able to negotiate with Meyer. Maybe they'll determine, hey, we, we can't or we don't want to sign him. So maybe the Blues make a, a deal in that regard. I'd be really surprised, though, with what Jersey gave up if they didn't already have some framework already in place with Meyer. What about like a David Pasternak from the Bruins? Intriguing. Would that yep. be a, a place that you could look as well? Yep, and Boston is a really good organization. Number one, Jim Montgomery knows all the Blues prospects. Uh-huh. And number two... Over the years, they've done a really good job of drafting and developing. So that's a team that, with a really solid NHL team, might be looking, especially after the trade they made for uh, Lindholm last year, Hampus Lindholm last year. They gave up picks. So they might be looking to replenish their system. That back. might, If they know they're going to lose Pasternak, mm-hmm. then maybe that's a move that they make. They only got a couple of days for that, though. Yeah, right. Uh, so my, my next question, Randy, is what do these lines look like going forward? Who... <laughs> Yeah, good luck for figuring out a top six, right? What are they? Who are they? Who are in your top six? I, I'm putting Kapanen in my top six. Are you, really? are you putting him in your top six? You're paying him you're a nice little chunk of money? You're yeah. not moving Torpchenko up? Not yet. Not yet? No. I like his, I mean, Randy, the fact that he, what he said last week after, I you know, that it. loss, Move that to up. me sounds like a guy that is, you know, Conviction has conviction in, in doing what needs to be done is going to hold people accountable. I want to see him more with more time on the ice, see what he's able to do when he does get that. So uh, I was actually texting with a buddy this weekend. So how about Thomas between Butchnevich and Kairou? This is just your top six. Okay. And then 
Shen between Kapanen and Saad, and then you've got the big group right now that includes uh, guys like Torpchenko, uh, Blay, Walker, Brown. You've got enough guys to, yeah. and it's not going to be great, but you've got enough guys to fill out a bottom six. So I, I think that's. I give Kapanen a look at a top six. Just give him the opportunity to perform in your top six and see what you got. Okay. I was just wondering because we, we talked about this last week. This These top six have changed drastically from preseason up until oh, this yeah. point. It, it is – I mean, we, we had no clue that all of the people would not be here. We didn't know what was going to happen. Um, but I want to see how this Blues team, how they go out and compete. Army said they may not win games, but – they they will be competing and playing hard, and I think that's the most important thing for a young team. Yeah, do we have that? Can we get that up again with the Army cut that we played earlier? Just for people that didn't hear that, because the team, from a talent standpoint, is not a team that, even when they compete at their highest level, is going to go into games, and Seattle might be one of those games where if Seattle plays as well as they can and the Blues play as well as they can, the Blues might not win the game. Here's Doug Armstrong. We're not just looking at the results. We did for the last 10 years is if you won the game, you won the night. Now we're, we're going we're gonna to play some really good games down the stretch that we might not have enough to, to get over the hump. But it's that ability to go home and look yourself in the mirror and, and sleep, sleep soundly that you've done everything you can do. And I know that's what the guys are going to do. So we might play really well and not have enough to get over the hump. To me, that's the key word there. And yeah. there's a lot of teams that go into seasons with the, the, they don't know it, they don't say it. At least Doug Armstrong has the the courage to say, "Hey, this this team is not what we need to have to win." He knows what winning teams look like, and I'm glad as a Blues fan to have a guy that's that honest to yeah. say, "Hey, we, we've torn this down. We don't have any illusions about." Being a team that can win, it is what it is right now, and we're reloading for 2023, 2024. I mean, it's it's good to get that out there and to understand that this is where this team is right now. It may not be pleasing to watch at times, but mm-hmm. as I said, you know, the main thing that that people want to see wins and losses are are. I think people are okay if you're losing and you're not a a good team because you're so young. But if you don't play with effort or energy or if you're not willing to go out there and compete, you know, the entire game, that's when the frustration sets in and you're just trying to figure out, well, what the hell are we doing? We traded away our best players. These young guys aren't good enough. And Curbs talked about it earlier. You don't want to get the the mindset of losing because once you become a losing Mm -hmm. organization, mentally that changes the entire culture. So – not winning games is going to be frustrating, but if you're playing well enough to win them, you know that you add a few pieces, then you'll be a much better team going into next year. And by the way, it was made abundantly clear last night to Callie Rosen that this is the Callie Rosen fan club here. And the president, then, uh, vice president. Yeah, uh, he, we, we got the selfie and everything, and yeah, he, he was told that Kerry Davis, Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, is the president of the Cali Rosen fan club. Indeed. So he, now he knows. There you go. Glad to know. Glad he knows, because yep. we are fighting hard for you here, Cali. Yeah. Trying to get you more time on the ice. Trying to get you more minutes, sir. That is today's big thing on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Brandon Miller continues to be controversial for Alabama Should he still be playing? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. So before I get started on the game, 
was brought to my attention after the game about our pregame introductions. I think that's something that's been going on all year. I don't really know. I'm not, I don't watch our introductions. I'm not involved with them. I'm drawing up plays during that time. Regardless, it's not appropriate. It's been addressed and I can assure you it definitely will not happen again the remainder of this year. So that's the head coach of the University of Alabama, Nate Oates. And a lot to unpack here. Number one, why are you drawing up plays during introductions? He's not drawing up plays during introductions. Okay. Thank you. Number two, I don't know if you've watched Alabama play. Brandon Miller, star freshman for them. By all accounts, has a killer crossover. Oh, Randy. Randy? Hmm? I don't think that's where we... No? I don't know. That's what, that's just what I read. I read it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think he's just got a very good crossover. So he crossed over a gun back to uh, a guy named Darius Miles. No relation to Darius Miles here. Mm-hmm. And uh, Darius Miles allegedly, took said gun and murdered somebody. And obviously that doesn't reflect very well on the Alabama program. Neither does the fact that during pregame introductions, Brandon Miller is, as part of their pregame celebration, literally patted down as if he has a gun on him. Yeah, it's not great. So here's the thing, Randy. my, (laughs) My uncle taught me this a while back. He said one of the scariest things in life is having your job uh, depend on 18 to 22-year-olds. <laughs> uh, it's one of the scariest things in the world is waiting on an 18 to 22-year-old to do the right thing to make sure that your job is secure. And I think Nate Oates is in that boat. Now, here's here's where Nate Oates has a problem. He's not very honest. He's not drawing up plays. There are there, there, He doesn't say the right thing at the right time. And that, those are the things that are getting him tr- in trouble. But here's the the the... The part where I'm going to defend Nate Oates to a degree, because he is not paying attention to the pregame celebrations. Mm-hmm. He is not, you know, watching every little detail of the things that are taking place with his with his guys. You know, every minute of the day, he also has assistants whose job that should be. Mm-hmm. They should know what's going. It's it's almost impossible for the head coach to be into every detail of every player every single day. But that's why you have assistants. That's why you have, you know, other people on the team, managers, people that are part of that organization, part of that that program that should be giving you this information. And then you are able to do what you need to do with that information. I doubt that he ever saw the pregame celebration, but that is also an 18-year-old child that is making a dumbass decision doing that after just being, you know, going through the whole ordeal. You had a teammate who was under arrest for for murdering somebody. It's not a great decision to make, but he's still a child. He's still a young man. Nate Oates, in this case, I will take the blame off him, but Nate Oates needs to be more honest in his answers and how he's going about his business. Hey, you know what? I didn't see the celebration. I've never seen it. Not because I'm drawing up plays, because you're not, but because I don't pay attention to that part of our everyday pregame routine. That's just not my dude. That's not my job. Yeah, say, I I don't pay attention. But But I will make sure that it does not happen. Not a, it won't happen again, not just this year, but going forward, because he did put that in. Mm-hmm. It won't happen again this year. No, it won't happen again because we won't allow it to happen. Now, yeah. he needs Brandon Miller to win games. That's the thing. And I want to point out two things. Number one, Nate, you're at home. The lights are turned off during your pregame introductions. There is no light to draw plays during your pregame introductions. All right? Number two, nobody... 
we're sitting here having this discussion in St. Louis, Missouri. There is not a person in the state of Alabama that wants Nate Oates to take the leading score in the SEC out of his lineup or the fifth leading rebounder, Brandon Miller, out of his lineup. They all don't care. They want him to play. And I would guess that every single fan base in America would be in the exact same boat. He really didn't do anything right, wrong. Right. He was giving a guy a piece of property back that asked for a piece of property. He didn't right. know what was going to happen. Now, was the was the pat down in bad taste? Yes. But like Very. you said, he's a child. Yes. He's 18 years old. So it doesn't bother me at all that Brandon Miller is playing. I don't like the response of Nate Oates to say, oh, wrong place, wrong time, and not really care about the victim. Correct. But this falls on Nate Oates, not Brandon Miller. Right. Brandon Miller playing, in my mind, is fine. I don't have a problem with it either. He is, he is, you know, he is a, a young man who is working towards his NBA career. He was, he, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time, giving back, you know, the 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 gun to a teammate that it belonged to, not knowing what that teammate was about to do in that moment. He had no no idea from what they're t- telling us. He had mm-hmm. no idea what was about to happen. That part of it is correct. But what Nate Oates is as the adult, as the head coach, he can't say that about his player and not take it to the fact of what the entire situation was. What happened? It is a terrible thing that took place. And we and our former player, who is Darius Mouse, who is no longer a part of the university, no longer a part of this basketball team. He made a terrible decision, and our condolences are for the family that was in, involved in this situation going forward. Brandon Miller, we we have we have done our research. We have done all of the due diligence to make sure that he was not a part of that. He has to learn from this situation because you can be in the wrong place at the wrong time, and your career, your life could be ended because you were with someone late at night doing something that maybe you should not have been doing. Going forward, we hope that he learns from this situation, and we will grow as a team from this situation, and all of our players will take notes, and we will be better because of it. Clearly, you understand Nate Oates' situation better than he does. I mean, yeah. And what he needs to understand, and this is very, very, very simple, and as Matthew mentioned, one of the problems you have when you are a college basketball coach is that a lot of your PR people are 18 and 19 and 20-year-old interns. I will give him and anybody who's involved in a situation where something bad happens to somebody and you're associated even peripherally with the situation. Always, even if it's fake, even if you have to feign empathy, always express sympathy for the victim. Yes. Whether you are a head coach, whether you are a prosecutor, always express sympathy for the victim. And that way, those automatic criticisms, oh, he or she doesn't even care about the victim, those are washed away in a blink because you, the very first thing you said is, our thoughts and prayers are with the victim. Yes. So that's where he should have started. And he could have ended it there. Ended it there. <laughs> if yep. he, if yep. he had nothing else or knew knew what knew nothing else to say or how to say it correctly, he could have ended it there, and that would have been the end of it. And we will have a discussion with our team in private on how to handle these mm-hmm. types of situations so that they don't arise again. Right. And sometimes there are people that don't possess that empathy gene. Yes. I get it. But... There's also for, and and I know this sounds terrible, but there's perception, all right? You need to get perception on your side. It's called spinning. It's a PR thing, and you need to spin things 
in your direction. And Nate Oates has not done, still hasn't done that. We're we're two weeks into this, and Nate Oates still hasn't figured out how to do it. And more than that, this this is why I think, like Carrie said, this goes down to not just Nate Oates, but the other people. And it makes me, it does make me wonder why he he made the mistakes and said the you know bad you know wrong place wrong time and why he's being so flippant and and this doesn't surprise me because it is now a month and a half since you kicked off the Arias Miles for the murder. This isn't just a thing because of the Brandon Miller thing. They've been doing this pat down thing for a month and a half now after a player got kicked off for a murder with a, with a gun. That the the complete lack of anybody on the team saying, "Oh, this is in poor taste." I think shows poorly on the entire organization around Alabama basketball. He, Absolutely. He, he needs to have I, – I, I don't – you know, I, don't, I try not to judge people based on, you know, anything. But I, I would have to assume that Mr. Oates, who is, is a 48-year-old man born in Whitewater, Wisconsin, I don't know if he has had very many interactions with these types of situations. I, I would highly doubt it, which means you need to have people on your coaching staff, in your circle, that know how to handle – a certain traumatic situations that take place and understand, hey, man, you can't do this. You are an NBA prospect. You are a guy that has a future that is going to be greater than Alabama basketball. And if you make these dumb decisions, your career could be ended. It could be over here. This could be the end of it for you. And you will have a lot of teams that will back away from you knowing that you are not a good decision maker. Mm-hmm. You're going to be young in the NBA with a lot of money. You have an opportunity to make even more dumb decisions, which <laughs> could, could lead you to not having that, those opportunities. So I just think that Nate Oates needs to sit down, take a, take notes, and really understand how to handle this process, how to handle his players, and how to make sure that this doesn't happen again while he's the head coach, or hopefully never again for these young men that are part of his, his program. That's Kerry. I'm Randy, and 101 ESPN has your chance to score a pair of single-session passes to the 2023 State Farm Missouri Valley Conference Men's Basketball Tournament. It is the 33rd annual Arch Madness, hitting the court at Enterprise Center on Thursday, March 2nd through Sunday, March 5th. Tickets for Arch Madness on sale now. Get all the ticket details at 101ESPN.com. But you can win a pair of single-session passes right now by texting in to 314-399-9646. That's 314-399-YO-HO! And answer this question. Which team won the 2022 Missouri Valley Conference Basketball Tournament? Who won last year's Arch Madness? Texter number 27 will get the single-session passes. All you need to do is text in to 314 399 46 with the name of the team that won the 2022 Missouri Valley Conference men's basketball tournament. Coming up, now that City has their attacking style available to us, how much is it going to excite people in St. Louis? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Terrific ball from moving there. And now Klaus on the break. Keller across. Klaus inside. And he pokes it into the net. And St. Louis City going to the lead with five minutes to play. The Brazilian intent on setting yet more history on the opening night of the season for the newest team in MLS. Three goals. Are they on the way to three points? The call from Apple TV Plus 
and the game-winning goal for City SC by Santa Claus as a 3-2 victory for City SC. <laughs> That's the nickname we're giving him? Santa Claus. Santa Claus. I mean, it could right. work. San, you know, San, great... San, Santi's kind of like, a, I could see a Brazilian or Argentinian player being named Santi as kind of like a shortened version of their first name, and then obviously the last name would work. I think it, it could have happened. It's, he, it, I'm, trying, I'm trying to stretch he it, Randy. provided a great gift. Oh. For, for uh, an expansion franchise mm-hmm. that we were Thank not you. expecting. We were not. I, I like it, Randy. I see what you did there. Win me over with one of them today. So in in this uh, ninety plus minutes, SC generated eighteen shots, nine shots on goal, and only forty percent possession game uh, time during the go- game. So that really is impressive to to only have. Uh, possession time of 40% and get 18 shots with nine on goal. That really is something that doesn't happen in football. I think that that, that statistical profile is kind of going to be what we see. I don't expect them to outshoot a lot of teams because the possession number is going to be so low, but it's going to be one of those things where they're not ever going to win the game, especially against a team you heard Jared say. They're a very possession-heavy team. Lutz talked about it as well. You're not going to be. So losing that 60-40, to 40, that's going to happen. The big question is, do you get the turnovers? Do you get the shots on goal? And they, they clearly did that in spades against Austin. And they worked hard. That's the quintessential St. Louis team. I, I've told the story before when Dave Checkets came as the Blues owner and hired John Davidson. Davidson initiated a survey of Blues fans who said at that point they would rather have a team that worked hard every night mm-hmm. than win a Stanley Cup, which is pretty amazing, but they just wanted to get bang for their buck, and St. Louis were a blue-collar town. People want a hard-working team, and that's what SC is going to provide. They're, that was the foundation of what Lutz, Fon, and Steel built, was to get players that are willing to work hard every single night, and eventually you'll get hard-working, talented players, and that'll translate into a lot of victories. All right, I don't know who they uh, interviewed for that that. Poll, but it was their longtime season ticket holders. I would rather win a championship than a team work hard every night and lose. Well, I do think that when you work, you have to work hard to win yeah, a Stanley but Cup. But if you're giving me the option yep. of a hard working team or a cup, nah, yeah, a Stanley Cup. Yeah, every time. but I found that interesting too. It, that is that in this town, effort means a lot. It does. And, and that, I think you're going to see a lot of it. Lutz talked about it. Their style of play is going to be attacking. One thing that he said to us that I think stood out the most to me was if the opposing team has the ball, they won't have it for long because we're going to be pressing, attacking, trying to get that ball back, fighting to get that ball back, and, and creating turnovers so that we can get the possession. And so that to me does sound like a team that is going to exhaust itself you know for for an entire for an entire match making sure that they're working their butts off to fight to get the ball back to to be able to score goals and once they build the talent level that they want there are a lot of parallels from what Lutz wants and Bradley Carnell want and what Craig Berube wants they want possession in the offensive zone mm-hmm. and if you have possession in the offensive zone, especially in soccer, you can't lose yeah. because the other team has a great deal of difficulty getting the rush back on the on the transition. So it'll it'll work out the system, Matthew. If I'm not mistaken here, will work out once they get the talent level that they desire. It's the perfect system to run in MLS. Yeah, it's a great. Yeah, if you get the talent, you can you can absolutely run teams off. I think it's a it's a great. There's two ways when you're an expansion team to play, which is the boring conservative way. Let's not let's not get beat 3-0 many times, and let's just play defensively. Or you can do what this is, which is say we're going to build our team around guys who will run 
all 90 minutes, and then we'll try to win with a frenetic style that some teams aren't able to expect that can really you know screw up these possession-heavy teams. We can win because of mistakes that we're, we're, we're creating. That is a great expansion side, and I think it's just impressive that three years ago they came in and said, this is how we're going to build the team. And instead of at any point shifting and saying, no, we're going to park the bus and we're not going to lose a lot, they said, this is how you build a team to win and be fun from the get-go. Maybe they don't win the most, we heard Lutz say that, but they expect, I think, more than the normal expansion side. And you, you count that the extra year with being able to bring people in, it's just I can't believe they actually followed through across a three-year plan, and we're actually here, and the style they said day one they were going to play is the style they played game one. That's an impressive vision for this franchise to follow through on. Not as impressive as you calling them an expansion side, hmm. which is hey. impressive in and of itself. <laughs> and by the way, our two expansion teams, because the Battlehawks are essentially an expansion team now, yep. they're the Cardiac Kids, right? The, the Seattle, uh, St. Louis City SC winning... In the last 14 minutes, mm-hmm. the Battlehawks winning their first two games in the last seconds of both games. St. Louis is going to be Cardiac Kids City. We used to have the Cardiac Cardinals back yep. in the 70s, the football Cardinals. They would trail the entire game and win it in the last two minutes. That's the way these uh, football and football teams are going to be. Well, I, I would prefer that they get out to a lead and hold on to said lead as opposed to having to claw their way back in, scratch and claw. But, you know, whatever works. There is a win nothing, is a win. nothing like what a comeback, a.k.a. Super Bowl 48, does for the heart. 43? 43, I mean, 43. Yeah, 43. 48 wasn't that great. No. 43, yeah, but... Randy, it... it, 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 it you listen, want your heart thumping. No. You, you, want you know b- what I want? I want to be able to be in the fourth quarter with 10 minutes left and be able to have my pads unstrapped knowing that I'm not <laughs> going back in because the game is over. That's what I want, personally. But I know that's what you want. Yeah, but you I, know what I, I, want? what I want? I want Kurt Warner to Isaac Bruce 73 yards yeah, with yeah. 154 left, and then Mike Jones having to make a tackle. I, I mean, want things that make it, my. I want David Freeze I mean, winning it in the 11th. We it's will fun. see you tomorrow night. It's fun unless you're the Arizona Cardinals, the Tennessee Titans, or the <laughs> Texas true. Rangers. That's that, true. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's good, clean fun, unless you're them. And right? listen here, it's it's not always ups. We got the Zhao Claus game winner, but then... Santa. Uh, Santa Claus, excuse me. Game winner. But then before the actual final whistle, they banged one off the post. Oh, yeah. And then Berkey was a little bit out of position. They were able to get the shot off, and they could have tied it up at 3-3. So, I mean, even though the highest of highs was there, there was that potential, you know, cardiac city kind of feeling there at the, yeah. at the end, but they were able to leg it out. By the way, did we go over with five tallies? In that match? I don't think we did an over-under. I mean, just uh, did Vegas, oh, was did the Vegas, Vegas over-under. I believe the over was three and a half. Over-under oh. was three and a half. Well, look at that. So I think we do go over, Did, yes. did anyone uh, oh, make it to the Illinois side to I did think play it was funny. Wager? No, but I, I thought it was funny that on yeah. Saturday, th- all three St. Louis teams played. All of them ended 3-2, and I think we know which one was the most exciting one to watch. Oh, your blues, baby. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's the... Uh, I don't know how you guessed that, Randy, but right on the money. How, how much are the, uh, are the is City... How, can, how much can you make if you place a wager on them winning the... Oh, on this next game? No, 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 no. I'm winning it all. I know last week it was like... It was plus 420 when we checked it. Yeah, what is it now? Um, no, that was for, no, that was just for game one. Okay. That was just to beat Austin. What you was it to win the championship? I will Wouldn't check it, right now. It was, it was 16? 12? 12,000, I think. Is what, yeah, Has it gone it. down? Um, That's a should've very got good that question. Wager in. Yeah, should have got the... Yeah, yeah. Now, now, now they got a win under the their season, belt. I'm not sure. Let's see if we go to futures. So winning in 2023, St. Louis City SC is still on FanDuel at six, plus 16,000. I think it's Illinois. 
Make a bet. Yeah. They're going to win all of them. Yeah, it's still. Watch this game. They they won. They're going to win the rest of them, Randy. Yeah, Uh, they are. By the way, in their in their first ever home game, and now we we just we why why are we even looking at these uh, numbers because they're gonna they're gonna win again. I don't know why we even doubt them for some reason. Is is their home game not on? By the way, the over under for Saturday night was two and a half. So City eclipsed that by themselves. There you go. Sounds like sounds like some money's being made. I'm not you know. Bet responsibly on FanDuel. Yeah. If you do. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Do that. Good. Get out there and check it out. What you looking for, Matthew? You got I what cannot you find they don't uh, FanDuel does not appear to have the home opener for City SC on the board right now. I think we have conf- they have confounded the betting right out of the gate so much with a win on at plus four twenty that FanDuel's gotta completely reorganize their numbers because I'm not seeing a line right out of the gate for uh match day number two. For your St. Louis City SC. It's hugely disappointing. All so right, coming bank, up next, four. we've got rock and roll for you here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. We've got a balloon party with T-Mac and Ajax coming up here on 101 ESPN. But right now, it's time to, here we go, rock and roll. Can't roll my R's and it makes me, I, I, I hate myself <laughs> a little bit every day for it. Um, we got to talk about this a, a little bit today, boys. We, we didn't talk about this last week when the story first hit. But Deion Sanders joined the Rich Eisen show a couple days ago, and he was asked about what he looks for in certain positions of players. And here's what Dion said about quarterbacks, and he compares them to maybe who he looks for when he looks at defensive linemen. Here's Deion Sanders on the Rich Eisen Show. Quarterbacks are different. Yeah. We want mother, father, you know, dual parent. Mm-hmm. We want that kid to be 3-5 and up because he's got to be smart. Mm-hmm. Um, not bad decisions off the field. Uh, at all mm-hmm. because he has to be a leader of men. It's so many different attributes and what we look for. Uh, physical, I mean offensive line. My defensive line is totally opposite. What do you mean? Single mama. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Trying to get it. Uh, he's on free lunch. I mean, like, uh, uh, I mean, I'm talking about just trying to make it. He's trying to rescue mama. Like, mama barely made the flight. There's Deion Sanders on the Rich Eisen Show putting a slightly smaller foot into his mouth. Yeah, I uh, I love Dion. I, I've always been a fan. If you check my Illinois bio, I put him as my favorite player of all time. Mm. He has uh, always been one of my my favorite players just because he was a dual sport athlete, able to do so many things. He's done an outstanding job, did an outstanding do- job at Jackson State. I think he'll do an outstanding job at Colorado. I don't think personally this is something that should have been said out loud. You know, this might be something that is said, you know, in – meeting rooms amongst your coaches, amongst your coaching staff. This might be something said, you know, I don't think that this is something you want parents of single single parent households to hear. Because if you have a quarterback who is all of those attributes, but he has a single mother raising him or a single father raising him, you're essentially saying that you don't want that kid based on that. Now, everyone knows there are exceptions to every rule. There, there, there are exceptions. You, you, you will find a guy that you know you still may fall in love with, despite not having all of those attributes that you said. And so you will make that exception. I just don't think that this is something that should be said out loud. And 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 here's the thing: 
I don't think Dion is the only person that thinks this way. Definitely I not. I think there are a multitude of head coaches in the FBS, FCS, all over the place that that think this way, but are, uh, you know, I don't want to say smart enough, but but unwilling to say this out loud for public consumption. Right. NFL My, too, right? You, oh yeah. In the draft, there's. I mean, lot. you you've heard stories of. Uh, you know, Justin Blackman. Was it Justin Blackman or was yep. it Des Bryant who they oh, asked about Des. his yeah, his his right. his mother's profession and and what she did growing up or how she was growing up? There are things that are said to players and and there are thought processes that that certain people have that they use to to kind of decide how they want to go about choosing certain players. Again, I don't think this is something that you should say out loud. Just not not. Not going to go over well. You've alienated certain people based on those comments. I agree with you. It's And if you have that philosophy as a coaching staff, that's one thing. But you keep yeah. it internal. And, and I, I get Rich, I, Rich Eisen and the guys having a laugh with him. Because that's something that, if it was said on NFL Network back in 2013 when they're both analysts, and he's like, listen, this is what coaches look for in players. And he's just kind of saying that tongue-in-cheek. That's different than, he's a coach now. This is He's literally talking to families mm-hmm. when he says this now. It's a completely different thing. And it, it's just... Again, if you're if you're a kid who wanted to play for Deion Sanders, if you're a parent who hears that, or if you're just somebody, it's just the unfairness. And I'm not saying it's 100 percent truthful. He's, obviously, he's having a joke. But this is the second time in a week that he's, or in about 10 days, that he's doubled down and made those comments about what he looks for in a quarterback and how restrictive it is and things like that. And I just think it's it's it's. It's hurtful to high school kids. It's hurtful to the process, and it doesn't help college football. And it limits or college sports. Yeah, it, it does. Ultimately, now that everybody, well, I don't know if it's going to make any difference in the way they recruit or not, but it would certainly seem to limit the pool. If What if the number one quarterback in the country has a single-parent family? Yeah. I mean— And, he, and, and, and it's a guy that he's going after, and the mom says, well, you, I know that you want yeah. a two-parent family, so yeah. my son's probably not for you. And that could happen. And yep. that, that's a situation where you may have spoken out of turn and, mm-hmm. and lose out on a, on a prospect that you want again. He's saying all of those stipulations and these are the criteria. There is an exception to every rule. So I I am certain that if that quarterback doesn't fit, as you said, in that that two-parent family, 3.5, if he's a 3.0 kid or a 2.8 kid, but he can sling it, then that's Mm -hmm. a kid that everybody is going to want on their their team. So, you know, there are exceptions, but I don't think that that's something – uh, I would have said out loud if that's how I felt. Agreed. And then you have you have the, the the videos that came out when he first took the Colorado job about the, the way the assistant coaches are like this is how we do meetings no hats stand up sit down. I'm getting a little. I'm jumping off the. I'm jumping off the Deion Sanders head coach bandwagon. I was on it 100. percent I loved what he was doing, but I'm, I'm a little bit combine this with his program just seeming like it is a different level. I'm I'm jumping off the bandwagon a little bit on Deion Sanders. Here's the thing. He's He's coach prime, yeah, but he's also he's Dion. As a coach, he's got to be Dion. He can't be prime time as a coach because players, college players, just aren't good enough to be as flamboyant as Dion Sanders was as a player. So he's just got to be a little bit different. Uh, Personality wise, he is different. Personality wise, he's a he. I mean, he's coach prime. He handles himself 
<laughs> like that and from from mm-hmm. all the things that you can see and I I think if I were a player I would enjoy playing for him. I, I think I would have fun. He's a he's he's knowledgeable. He knows what he's talking about and he's done it done it at the highest level that a lot of people cannot have. They don't have that on their resume. So if you're a DB, if you're a receiver, if you're a guy that wants a skill position guy that that wants to be able to make it to the next level, he's a coach that I would love playing for because he he knows what he's talking about. I just think this was a bad take this is my opinion though he he may double down and say it again that's just my opinion one yeah, man's opinion but it doesn't i don't know that it helped him i think it could only hurt him and i think it's a bad public take but i guarantee you like you said cd that there are staffs all over the country that probably said to themselves well yeah we yeah, we, we, yeah. we think the same way but yeah. they just aren't saying they it. just won't say it out loud <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so. one one last thing me and carrie were talking about this off air earlier in the show Seems like it would take longer than five days after firing Nate McMillan to, to settle on a new head coach. But nonetheless, the Atlanta Hawks really snapped up a five-year deal with Quinn Snyder. He's going to be on the sidelines for their next game for the Atlanta Hawks. They got that deal done quickly, they didn't think they? they? Yep, they, they think they can win a championship with him. Uh, he got a lot of power there. That's why it took so long, because he's got juice in that organization, which after the whole Utah situation, he wanted because everything kind of spun out of control for him. So here's a guy that uh, is regarded as one of the best coaches in the league now. Obviously, local ties here. His first head coaching job was at Mizzou. And he takes over a franchise. Oh, by the way, if you ever go to an Atlanta Hawks game, they have a St. Louis Hawks 1958 banner up in their building. It says St. Louis. So I'm a Hawks fan, and I hope he does well there. I mean, I, I hope he does well. Also, I just thought it was intriguing that you fired the coach. Normally, you have an interim coach for the mm-hmm. remainder of the season. You do your whole coaching search, and you go out and find your guy. And they, uh, they kind of had him. It sounded like Nate was on the chopping block well before her. Yeah. he was actually fired. But right? I wonder if they did this thinking that this team is capable of doing something in these playoffs. Maybe. I mean, he served as an assistant there. Uh, before he became a head coach in Utah, and maybe they they felt at the time he was potential head coaching material, and so bringing him back would, would make it a lot easier, knowing that that you already know who he is. The other part, of CD, is he gets to evaluate the group of players that he has there you go. for the rest of this yeah. season. That's pretty important too. Makes me so happy seeing a guy like Mike Woodson succeeding at Indiana for the, for things like that. A guy yeah. who I guess couldn't get the right fit in the NBA. Love seeing him succeed Absol- in Indiana. Absolutely, great job by our producer engineer Matthew Rocchio. Thank you, sir. CD, my man. We don't. We only have his, my man, today. <laughs> we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being part of the show. Tim McKernan and Jackson Burkett, or Burkett, like Dorset, Dor- Dorset. Uh, they're coming up next with a balloon party. And uh, for all of us, until tomorrow morning at 7, have a lovely day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.